The following episode of TOEFOB is classified M. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, sexual references, a sex scene, prison rape, time travel, and mild coarse language. TOEFOB advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. <laughs> Hello and welcome to TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Special episode, Charlie. Bonus episode. This is the bonus app. Very excited about that. Does that mean that this has to be better than a normal app, or does this mean that it can no. be kind of it can be a bit shittier than a normal app? Yeah, I'd say shittier. Generally, when you get something as a bonus, it's kind of because the you know they had a few extras left over in the warehouse or something. It's you like, know, like when you that's get... like those Blu-rays where they come out and they go 17 hours of extra footage, yeah. and you're like, I'm happy for the bit they left in. Isn't that <laughs> the whole point of having a director? Like, otherwise, couldn't they just film every movie and yeah. then just send us 17 hours of the footage? <laughs> well, it's like um, a great example of that is Donnie Darko. Mm. Have you seen the Donnie Darko director's cut? No. With like 10 minutes extra footage. Right. And it's a classic example of why they shouldn't release director's cuts because the film's worse. And I actually heard from people while I was in the States saying that the studio fought really hard with him over releasing that first cut of the film, the, the studio cut. And that was the one that got... So the studio did the edgy cut, the interesting cut, yeah. the good cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and his cut is a lot, he's a lot more... Well, it's a lot flabbier, you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of... Is there a bit at the end where just Donnie turns to the screen and goes, and what this all meant was... <laughs> and I woke up and it was just a dream. <laughs> It'd be great if that was the bit. I've got a director's cut. Uh, this is the final 10 minutes. Uh, I thought of that actually. We were, we were watching a film together uh, the other night uh, called The Descendants. Yeah. And uh, which, you know, is uh, up for the Oscars. And uh, there's a bit at the end of the film where it kind of, like, you know, some Hawaiian music plays and they're all sort of sitting around on a couch. Mm. And it really sort of is one of those last shots and bits of music that you go, oh, wow, they're not going to do anything else here. Yeah, this, th- is, this is the end. This is the end. And you could probably leave halfway into that and you've still seen the end. Yeah. Or you could wait, but it's still them sitting on a couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Amy has said to me, should we go when the credits haven't quite come up yet? And I have said to her, no, 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 no. Um, I want to wait for the bit where Samuel L. Jackson comes in (laughs) and offers to make him both. And she has just stared at me like, are you speaking a different language? (laughs) What are you talking about? Why do I fuck you? And I was like, well, you know, at the end of all the Avengers movies, then Samuel L. Jackson comes in after the, and then it's like, because they're building towards the big... Mm. And she's, like, staring at me like, how have you ever had sex with a woman, <laughs> let alone me? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, you have a very cool girlfriend. Yeah. I don't know what made you think that that joke was going to fly. If you told me, I would have gone, oh, yeah, that's very funny, but not her. You know what the thing is? I keep forgetting, because she is incredibly cool. Like, she's got... She's one of those people who has really impeccable taste in things, yeah. but she also has really snobby taste in things. Mm. Like... I think I have some good taste in some things and I'm always surprised by when I go for something 
and it's not it cool. Gets vetoed. Yeah. <laughs> Like something that There's I'm... nothing more humiliating than when you get a veto over yeah. a t-shirt you bought or something. I'm just like, oh, you should hear this album. They're really cool. Yeah. Or I'll be halfway through showing her something. Yeah. Um, there's this guy from Australian Idol mm. uh, and his name was Matt Corby. Yeah. And he's... I met Matt Corby in Byron uh, over Christmas. He, I don't know if I can tell this story. No, I can tell it. I'm sure he won't mind. She won't mind. Um, we're staying with this friend of ours who's like a mother of two. She runs a, a label out of Byron. And... Um, the reason we're staying with her is her husband and her kids went away and she was like, oh, come stay with us because like, you know, I haven't had like a, a week off in, in two years. So it'll be like, I'm going to party. She's in her late thirties, early forties. Oh, she's late thirties. <laughs> I just say she's in her late thirties. So anyway, you go to this pizza bar. If and, that was um, the bit she was going to sue over. <laughs> it feels like the rest of the story might be the bit she'll sue over, but. No, no, look, nothing bad happened, okay. but it was just funny because uh, our mate Heath turned up with Matt and yep. I didn't know who Matt Corby was. Um, and uh, he was a really nice guy. He's a really young guy. I think he's only like 19 or, or something. Yeah. But um, he was talking to my friend and uh, like I could see them talking all night and he was being quite, inten- he was quite intensely sort of talking to her. And then she came over to me and she's like, ah, oh, that little boy just asked my number. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's fucking awesome for both of you, isn't yeah. it? Like, you know, you feel, you, you feel good about yourself. And she's just like, but he's so young. And I'm like, all right, this is the difference between men and women. <laughs> like... Like, you have a 19-year-old girl come up and ask for your number. You'd fucking tell all your friends. You'd be like, you know, you'd dine out on that for weeks. But she was conscientious enough to go, no. No, this is inappropriate. Well, I think the problem is that people would think she adopted. (laughs) She's like, I know my little embryo uh, has really cool hair and a little bit of a beard now. I mean, she's really attractive, you know, and she's she's definitely a MILF. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that it's that... I mean, is it that bad if you see an old woman with a younger guy? Like, is that something that you need to kind of... I still think it's a thing. Like, I, you know what? I think the big hope for uh, younger men and older women was Ashton and Demi. And yeah. Ashton's fucked it up for everybody. Mm. Uh, because everybody's fear of going around with a younger guy is that... They're going to fuck off. They're going to fuck off and hang around with yeah. young women. And it turns out, in this great example, he fucked off and hung out with other women. But isn't that like... Isn't that just more a case of that's what a guy, that's the threat with a guy, is mm. a guy will go out. I mean, sure, a younger guy is probably more likely to go to younger women. Yeah. But like, guys, I think if you go with an older guy, they have less energy to go after younger women. <laughs> <laughs> younger women aren't as interested in them. Well, no. They have but, less options. But do you think but that doesn't... Whereas Matt Corby, he's a young, uh, you know, rock and roll star. Yeah, so his temptation's going to be... And he's like a hot looking guy. But she didn't know who he was either. Right. She, he was just this young... Maybe that was dude. the appeal. Maybe he's, he's got that sort of thing of he's like, I want someone who's not into me. Is he and that anyone, and anyone think... under the age of 25 is really into him. <laughs> so I don't think anyone at the table recognised him. I mean, no, well, okay, all right, film but he is like, who, well, who is he? so he was like, okay, so he's got two lots of famous and this is why yeah. I think he is like, is famous yeah. for a certain demographic, yeah. which would be much younger than any of us. But so he was on Australian Idol and he was a real sort of, teenage, you know, talented, like could play music, compose his own music, but had this beautiful voice as well. Yeah. What he, series do you know? Like, oh, it- one of the more modern-y okay. series. And I believe... Like if, when a Sandalands was judging. Yeah, or, or something yeah. like that. And I believe... Post-Dico, pre-Sandalands. <laughs> <laughs> he, might, he might be a bit Hillsong or something right, like that. Yeah. And uh, so anyway... When Idol finished, everyone was like, well, he'll be the one who, like, you know, goes on to be the big sort of, you know, the Australian Justin Bieber sort of thing. Yeah. And he turned down all the big record, you know, contracts and working with other rides and stuff. So because, did he come runner-up or something? Uh, don't, no, I think he was no. maybe top five. Because I something. think if you finish in the top three, 
You don't have a choice about joining the record company. Like, that's part of your contract being on the show. Yeah, I don't think he got that high. I okay. reckon he was in that sort of last bunch. Yeah. But everyone was like, he'll be the big star out of it. You know, is that yeah. sort of thing? And he was like, nah, I'm going to go away and grow my hair and grow a beard. And that's going to take me about three years. <laughs> and I'm going to kiss a girl. <laughs> he didn't want a record contract because he'd just that week been shown masturbation by Andrew G. So... <laughs> So um, he's gone away and he's come back as a sort of... They call him the Australian Jeff Buckley, basically, is what they're... You know, the sort of buzz that's going... So vaguely bisexual will probably drown. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can't swim. That's why they... It was a weird nickname. Yeah. It was either the Australian Harold Holt, but that was kind of nonsensical, yeah. or the Australian Jeff Buckley. <laughs> they did some market research on who had more cut through with that teen audience. Harold Holt or Jeff Buckley. <laughs> We're either calling the new Harold Holt or the Australian Jeff Buckley. What's got more cut through? <laughs> they took it to some big day outs. People had to do some surveys at the gate. They got a free Red Bull if they answered some questions. All right, so you're playing Matt Corby's album so, for your very cool girlfriend. So Matt Corby, I oh know. So Matt Corby, yeah. basically, what he did, he went away, and he's only got to the point now where he has released an EP. So he hasn't even got an album out, right? Mm. He released this EP not long ago. The, the track from it, the um, his big track, I think it was called Brothers or something like that, <laughs> came number three in the Triple J Hottest 100, All which right. is like the... Do I know it? Most prestigious... Well... Hum it. How, how do I know what you know? Well, I don't know. Would I know it? Like, you know, you know, my, I'm not like overly... No. Critical, but no, I'm going to say no. I wouldn't know it? No, I wouldn't think so. Really? How yeah. much for me? I don't think they ever played it as a wrestling thing <laughs> or at a sports package at the end of the news when they're doing AFL highlights. I might not. Can, it's not that sort of song. Hum a bar. I can't hum a bar. Sing, uh, tell, me the, tell me what the lyrics are so I'm I can guess not, it. You know I'm not very good at that even with songs I know. Can you give me any kind of It's like, Jeff Buckley-esque. So- Ooh, we're brothers, we're brothers. <laughs> I think I would not. I listen to Triple, Triple J. If I listen to a radio station, it's on Triple J. So okay. chances are I've probably heard. And I was at a pub for the last 10 of the Hottest 100. So okay. it would have been playing in the background. Well, you would have heard it then. So give me a hint. I, well, I'm not Sonically, very... give me no, a hint. No, I can't. Give me a beat. Give me something. What's, yeah, give me a beat. What's the chorus? Are we the Hilltop Hoods now? <laughs> what's the chorus? Hey, give me a beat. <laughs> Drop a beat. Now, what was I, I, I couldn't tell me what the fucking you. chorus is. What are the lyrics in the chorus? I don't know, Charlie. What, what does brothers sound like? How does he enunciate brothers? Well, no, it's like uh, the best thing that I can describe it is <laughs> that it kind of is. You know what it sounds like. Yes, but approximate I can't... for me what it sounds like. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> I can't do it. You can. it's like... <laughs> yeah, just, just all right. Even that, just just. Hum it. <laughs> it's like a. It's like. <laughs> Go on. You can do this. You can, I Will. Can't do it. You can. I can't do it. We'll, oh, have, we'll start. We'll leave Hum it. the Australian national anthem. Okay. Hum Enter, Enter Sandman by Metallica. <laughs> All right. We might be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> is this what our podcast is? Is this our bonus podcast for people? Me humming songs? This is after you have your stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, no. welcome to Tofa. I'm Charlie Clawson. 
<laughs> well, that was my stroke. It wasn't like a disabled thing. It was just the, was the, visual, the visual was like, you really committed then. It upset me slightly. My dad had a heart attack and didn't notice. When? Like, just recently. Really? Had a heart attack and didn't notice. Fucking tough prick. I know. Farmer. I like, was he I, working when it I happened? I got a paper cut on my finger. I had to take a week off work. <laughs> my well, dad. What was he doing? On the farm. But what was he doing? Like, what was the, was well, it the, was the activity that... He didn't triggered? notice. All right. This is the whole point. He had to get a... He's had some heart problems and he got stents put in. I don't really know what stents are, but I think they're something... They just put you, them through your sort of your vein or something and they hold the vein sort of up because what I think oh, what happens is your collapse. veins are kind of collapsing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can sort of put something, I assume, like a, like a straw... Like not a bendy straw, <laughs> but they shoot it in your. You're never operating on me. <laughs> they put an IV. I mean, that would we be. We need a bendy straw, stat. That would be an extreme circumstance <laughs> where that would even be an option yeah. of me operating on you. <laughs> like, unless we were doing a TOEFOP, you know, sort of from a desert island <laughs> and something happened. Yeah. And, I, and then I would give it a crack. Yeah, castaway style. Yeah. I'm having a. I need a, I need a triple bypass. <laughs> You're like, God damn it. All I've got is bamboo shoots and coconuts. If I only had a bendy straw, I could do this. And by the end of the episode, uh, unfortunately behind me, they see a little cross with a, you know, you buried in the sand and me co-hosting this show with a volleyball. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Wilson. (laughs) Uh, All right. So your dad had a heart attack. Yeah, my dad had a heart attack. And what? um, Didn't notice. So he's gone up to Melbourne to, because he was obviously having some health problems and he's gone and seen the specialist, you know, to get some more stents put in and they... We're running all the tests and whatever, and they're like, ah, oh, you had a heart attack. Fuck me. And he was like, didn't notice. Whatever. Cows to milk. So what, That's pretty well, fucking what, hardcore. Yeah, but what happens, like, so he had a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, what did happen to the heart? Because doesn't a heart stop when you have a heart attack? I mean, obviously there's different levels. but Yeah, I mean, I imagine there must be. But is it now working normally or is it permanently damaged from that heart attack? Well, I think it's already got damage. I think that's the whole point of whatever the medications is on and everything that's happening. Did your dad remember feeling anything? Well, my dad is like one of those blokes who literally like, you know, like that Monty Python scene where it's like, it's just a scratch yeah, yeah. and he's got like one leg left. That's like my dad on the farm. Right. Like the amount of times where my, and my dad was like hardcore when we were growing up, like he would just grab electric fences. Oh yeah, my dad used to do that too. Yeah. What is just it with grab that? them. But what is that? I That's mean, probably how he started his heart again. <laughs> <laughs> he probably he probably had a heart attack. But luckily, at the time, he grabbed an electric fence and it restarted his heart. <laughs> it's like having a defibrillator with him wherever he goes. Yeah, right. Well, maybe he hit it and that's what stopped his heart and then started it again. <laughs> oh, heart stopped. Oh, there it goes. So what, does he have a condition? Like some kind of degenerative heart condition or something? Yeah, that's right. exactly what he has. Um, yeah, so I, I now, when I'm feeling informed, have to say, you know, when it says like, does your family have like a history, history of, of heart disease? I have to say, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, it does. So. And did his dad have it as well? I don't know. It's weird. I was having this conversation today about, you know, because my family, there's been, my father died when... He was quite young, and my auntie died when she was quite young. And so I've always wondered, like, is there... But, you know, completely unrelated. One was cancer, one was something else. And so I've, I've just often wondered, like, is it... Was that is just it in your genes? Or, just a, yeah. Are, are, my genes more, are my genes more vulnerable than yeah. other people's genes? The Clausens, they come for a, sh- for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> <laughs> good, good impact players, the Clausens, but... Well, there's never been a history of, like, cancer, thank God, knock on mm. wood. Um, or heart attack, but you know, they have people who have died sort of 
young-ish. I'm just wondering if like... Are you know. allergic to anything? Like, do you have any Not sort really. of like... Like, um, the one thing I'm allergic to is, you know, elastoplast bandages, like the fancy band-aids? Yeah. The, yeah, those ones, they make my skin swell up. And yeah. I, I went and saw that's, a doctor. That's what your mum told you. So what? she didn't have to buy the fancy band-aids. <laughs> your, mum was buying, your mum was buying like 400 packs of band-aids down at the $2 shop. And she was like, you're allergic to fancy band-aids. <laughs> No, it actually makes my skin swell up. And when I figured this out when I was a kid, yeah. if I wanted to get out of like a maths test or something, I would go to the chemist and buy a couple of bandages and put them up my arm and then go, miss, miss, I've got to go to sick bay. And I had like, you know, swollen arm. Genius. Yes. Yeah, you were like a young Ferris Bueller. Except you made yourself sick. <laughs> as opposed to pretending to be sick. Well, all it would be. You were like a young Baron von Mountchausen. <laughs> Try and say that three times. I couldn't say it once. No, it's uh, it wasn't so much that would make me sick. It's just my skin would get irritated. But is that? I mean, that's an allergy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I that's think, as al- allergic as I get. I think I'm allergic to penicillin. Fuck, man, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't get bandaged up. I can't get penicillin. Like yeah, penicillin's right. in fucking everything. Yeah, yeah. And for my whole life, uh, what makes you think you're allergic to it? Well, I, I remember being told when I was young to you know that to say. Yeah, when you go to the doctor, you've always got to say you're allergic to penicillin, right? So I assume I am allergic to penicillin, but I've never in my life ever accidentally, you know, taken penicillin or had some reaction to penicillin. Or so what's what's penicillin in? I don't know. Like it, it's in every medicine. Like, it's like a basically when it's you a pain, get, no, it's an anti. It's like an antibacterial. No, what is it? It. Well, oh I mean, it's God, a. We're going to go fact territory, but it's a. It's to do with treating illness, disease. Yeah, it's a medicine. And it's in most antibiotics, I believe, penicillin. You get it from mold, right? Yeah, that's where they discovered it. Yeah, Madame Curie. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And wasn't there an, an Australian who was involved in the, who won yeah. a, like a Nobel Prize? Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Rush. Played him in a movie, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Or should. Or will. Yeah. <laughs> Either Jeffrey Rush Guy Pierce, Jeffrey Rush, yeah. or uh, Sam Neill. If you're an Australian of note, uh, the rule is that at some stage, Jeffrey Rush will either play you in a movie uh, or has already played you in a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a drug. Yeah. And it's to in, treat illness. Yeah, and it's in, like, but genuinely it's in like 90% yeah. of antibiotics. Okay. So when I go to, like, whatever uh, I get. That's right. It's, it's the yeah. precursor or the key ingredient to antibiotics. Yeah. To so think. anything, like, I get that involves antibiotics, like, normally there's, like, you know, 15 different things you could get for whatever. Yeah. There's just one. Yeah. And it's pretty much the same one. I reckon it's like it, they go into the chemist and this is just a giant jar that just for like the rejects and they just give you a handful of those pills and go, see if this see works. <laughs> but pretty much we can't cure you unless it's got penicillin in it. That's the that's the magic ingredient. Yeah. I mean, you'd think by now that it would have synthesized something though. Because I wouldn't imagine it's like penicillin is obviously made up of a bunch of different things or different chemicals. Or the process of, you know, extracting penicillin. So by now you would have thought they would have synthesized it and they could give you something. There must be an antibiotic. I mean, you can get fucking soy milk, almond milk, uh, <laughs> all these different milks. If they can do that with milk, surely they can do it do with Do you have any uh, soy or nut antibiotics? <laughs> <laughs> do you, you still drink milk, don't you? I drink some milk. I, like, I will have soy milk if I'm having a coffee. That's bad for you. Soy milk, it's really bad. Highly processed, very fattening. Whatever, man. Switch to almond milk. That's what I'm drinking now. Ah, yuck. And you can't get it at cafes. I like a, a soy coffee. 
And you know what? It's protein for me. I don't have it. Like, pro- no, yeah. <laughs> you it- need it with you get it. <laughs> no, but like, li- if, we- I, if you're not drinking soy milk, you're eating bugs off the street <laughs> to get your protein. Can't eat bugs. They're animals. It's oh, <laughs> anti-vegetarian. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be up in the Northern Territory just necking witchetty grass. <laughs> yeah, right. So you wouldn't eat a bug. You like would- if we were at a restaurant. Nothing, was- nothing that's sentient. I guess that's it. I mean, just nothing that like... Is you know, a worm sentient? It doesn't have a brain. It's just like a central nervous system. You can eat a worm. I don't eat animals. Yeah. It's pretty simple. I, I, like, I'm, I'm vegetarian. I'm not vegan. So, like, I, I drink soy milk because milk makes me feel a bit icky. If I Would you eat it, a but... Venus flytrap? Because it's kind of like an animal. It's like the half... It's like the missing link between animals and plants. Um, yeah, I'd eat it. It's a plant. I don't mind anything because tomatoes feed on insects. We've talked about that before. Um, tomatoes, you know, so like you can't, like animals are killed all the time in the processing of vegetables. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people who's like, I'm only going to eat something if it fucking falls out of a tree yeah. naturally. By well, I understand you're doing your bit. Like you're yeah. not saying it's perfect, but you just, no. it's just, it's about you anyway. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Like I don't think in the grand scheme of the world, me doing this is going to make much of a difference, mm. you know, to the, but it's just, it works for me. Mm. That, and that's all it's got to be. It works for me. And that's what I say to people. It's like, whatever works fucking for you. So one thing, like, you know, and I'm a meat eater, but I just, I don't understand why people need to challenge vegetarians. Like, it's so strange. Like, everyone in their own personal life involves themselves in some activity which you could find questionable. Just say you go fucking paragliding on the weekends. That's dangerous. Why are you doing that? Don't go paragliding. Like, but I don't say that. But vegetarianism is one of those things where people get so like it's almost like you're judging them. They feel so, they feel so fucking self righteous about it. I think you know why. I think early on, and look, I've met some vegetarians like this, um, who are just fucking pains in the ass. You know, those ones like I can't, I can't eat that. It touched something that you mm. know once used to be an animal. You know, that's what I'm like with like being a vegetarian. I'm like, I'm happy to fucking eat something that came out of an animal if you squeeze it to get it out of it. We went out for dinner. That's with, fine. We went out for dinner with Trini and Pete uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they met up with some friends who were both vegetarian, and we went to this Indian restaurant that had like meat and vegetarian menu, but they also next door had a completely vegetarian menu, and the vegetarians left our table, refused to eat with us, and went and sat, even though there was vegetarian options available. It was, it's kind of a stalemate because Trini and Pete didn't want to go eat veg. I didn't care. I could eat vegetarian or meat, whatever. But Trini and Pete were desperate to eat meat. These guys were desperate to eat vegetarian. We're not happy with the vegetarian options available. Maybe weren't happy being in a carnivore restaurant. So I went next door and it's like, oh, come on, guys. Can't we all just get along? That shits me. Not Malcolm be- Luther King once made a speech about people like you. Malcolm Luther King. What's that? Oh, shit. <laughs> No, no, I like that because you've combined. What I meant, you've is combined the two. Martin Luther X. <laughs> uh, Malcolm Luther King once made a speech about how he had a dream of bashing the whitey. That's right. When you can actually get to Jurassic Park, they'll get the DNA of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and just create like a super activist. Mm. That would be great. <laughs> That's what they should be doing. That's what they should be doing, actually. Yep. That makes sense. You take people from opposing... It's like getting Batman and the Joker yep. and fusing them together and getting someone who is, like, brilliantly uh, anarchic and someone who is, like, stodgily, like, you know, by the book. That's perfect. They should definitely do that. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, things went better when Magneto and Professor X were on the same side. Yeah, that's right. You know, shit went down. 
Well, that's probably, I mean, if we were this sort of podcast, we could start one of those sort of, you know what I hear Obama's been doing while he's been in uh, government. Uh, he's got the DNA of Malcolm X. <laughs> and he's got the DNA of Martin Luther King. And he's breeding the perfect black man. <laughs> that's what I've heard. Get that on a blog. Get that on a blog and get Newt Gingrich to say it during a presentation. I guarantee. Let's do it. Actually, if someone listening wants to yeah. just put that out on a blog. We have some American listeners. Yeah, let's see how quickly that can gain, yeah. gain traction. I want to see if we get conspiracy theorists on the back of that. Yeah. That Obama is breeding is, su- super black people. Yeah. Super black politicians. Yeah. Was Malcolm X a politician? He didn't operate within the system, did he? No. Well, that was his whole thing. He was outside the system and Martin Luther King was all about, you know, we should all work together. Was he in the system? What was Martin Luther King? Was he actually a politician? Was he a senator or anything? No, they were like leaders, community leaders. Community leaders. Yeah. Right, right. So, um, yeah, they were spokesmen for the, you know, the community, but they had different sort of, you know, approaches to it. <laughs> but you could combine them into a superhuman and that's what Obama's doing. Well, a little bit of his own Obama in there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like Kiss putting a bit of their blood into their comic book. Yeah. Remember that? Like- <laughs> Obama's like, well, I'll just, you know, to make it a collector's item, I'm going to put a bit of Obama in little there. Little Obama, a little baby Obama in there as well. <laughs> so let's get that out onto the internet and see if they can come up in a presidential debate. We'd like to see that. That's when Tofop would really cut through to people. So Matt Corby, right. Um, so he released his EP, got to number three in the hottest 100. A um, couple of weeks after the voting was closed... He also did a cover version on the Triple J Breakfast Show. They do this thing called Like a Version, which yeah. is like an you know, artist come in and cover you know, other songs. He did a uh, version of uh, Lonely Boy uh, by um, the Black Keys, and it was unreal. Like, it was just really, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. it was like Jeff Buckley sang <laughs> Lonely Boy uh, by the Black Keys, which was the number two song in the Hottest 100. Wow. So it was like... Um, he's Year a, of the Corby. He's, a, he's a, like he's a really big star out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Well, not out of nowhere. Well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but like uh, uh, in, in terms new of one, yeah, yeah. Like it's well, listen, he's, he's a guy who's gone from being really mainstream. Lisa and Mitchell then, did the same yeah. thing, right? She was like a, an idol graduate, disappeared off the scene, yeah. came back, you know, worked with some alternative artists and producers. Is like, hey, look, I'm a legit artist. I mean, I actually think that, like, I know Australian Idol is a karaoke competition in the end, and there's a lot of stuff which is purely commercial. But it's so hard in this fucking country to get any kind of attention or recognition. I, I wholeheartedly endorse people doing that. I think Australians in general, Australian artists are so reluctant to put themselves forward for stuff. Like there are certain people, if you are, uh, I guess, critique proof, if your skin is thick enough, you can do any of these kind of reality shows and create a career for yourself. If you've got talent that will yeah. go further than it needs to. Well, it's further, what, than, further than the show. It's what you do after it. Exactly. You can either do exactly what they expect you to do, yeah. which is sort of your... I mean, I guess, you know, you're Shannon Noel or whatever route where you just become like a kind of, you know, a big mainstream, you know, star. Yeah. Um, You give it a little twist like a guy, Sebastian, who like still kind of has done really mainstream stuff, but did a bit of like work with some Motown bands. And yeah, he's a really talented guy. It's not my son music, but he's a really, you know, talented guy. Um, Jessica Malboy had some success as well, being sort of a a pop star out of the back of it. And so there's definitely been that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and um, he wasn't uh, idle, but of course it was Elton Child. Oh my God. Who what the fuck, man? Lived in a cave. You know, he, we were offered. Then hooked up with some Facebook. About six child months ago, and, we were offered, like, oh, do you want to make a clip for this yeah. guy, Adeline Childs? And I'd never heard of him. And like any employer, work, co worker, as soon as I heard it, I just Googled the name. <laughs> and I was like, after five minutes, I was like, 
no, we're not doing this clip. It's just like, what an amazing, if this was, if I found out that Casey Affleck was making a documentary. Yeah. Like, like it sounds like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Like every week there's some new story. One week it's like for people who, and I'm, I'm not right across his career. I'm, no, like, I, this I, is, I, all I know is the headlines. Yeah. This is literally the shit I've picked up just from following the headlines. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, sing his song. No. Even less than Matt Corby's brothers. <laughs> I couldn't hum it. Uh, but I think he lived in a cave at some stage. All right. This is what I picked up from yeah. like the blurbs is yeah. he lived in a cave. Yep. Uh, it was like homeless or something at one stage yep. or something. Got kicked out of his cave. <laughs> yeah. Got kicked out of his cave. One X factor or came runner up yep. or something. Um, had a manager that he was fighting with. The manager, uh, was later busted on was it weapons charges or yep. drugs charges. They something did like, like right. Got a second manager. That manager fired him. He's now claiming that he's like homeless or something. But at the same time, his album was the highest, or his single was like the highest selling single from last year. Did you know that? No, well, not just that though. He also then hooked up with some uh, girl he met like, on like Facebook an or something who was like a teenager. Yeah, yeah. But like a legal teenager, but yeah. not a moral, ethical teenager. No, like a, a Courtney Stodden or, or whatever. Yeah, and then recently he, um, there was something in the paper about how he got busted driving under the influence of marijuana and crystal and meth yeah. because and, he'd smoked a meth-laced joint, joint at a party. And But this was a guy whose big charged. famous quote was, my only drug is love. love. Yeah. So all the headlines were all like, my only drug is love but you know and what? meth yeah. and pot. <laughs> I was going to say, they just put like the inverted commas just a bit too close on that <laughs> sentence. My only love... My only drug is love and methamphetamines and cannabis. In fact, forget about love. It's mainly yeah. just methamphetamines just and cannabis. Uh, that's, that's when I feel pretty lovey. But even in that, because that, that happened recently and he got charged, right? Yeah. And then he's come out and done some interview on a radio show and said, I don't regret it. It was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Isn't that like, can you come out after a court case and comment like that? Isn't there some ruling that you can't? comment on a court case or is it only once it while it's been I think tried? while it's going they wouldn't right. be afterwards any, you can come out and say whatever yeah. the fuck you want they wouldn't be out they wouldn't be interviewing him if, if he got paid for that interview is that proceeds from crime um I mean it, that, you could kind of argue that it is but I reckon that proceeds from crime thing they get around that quite um, and that's not a worldwide thing proceeds of crime by the way Australia has a law no. whereby people are not meant to profit from the proceeds of crime in America you just fucking stab someone have a trial <laughs> everyone writes a book no. you yeah. write a book your lawyer writes a book the yeah. opposition lawyer writes no. a book in Ameri- everyone on the jury in writes Ameri- a book in America you stab a guy you yeah. sue him yeah. <laughs> for mental distress for grin. ruining get, your life get your own reality <laughs> shot yeah, exactly Keeping um, up with the Castabians. But <laughs> but in Australia we have this um we have this law where you're not meant to uh benefit from the proceeds of crime. Yeah, so like if you're uh, convicted of like drugs or whatever, you can't go and sell your story to new idea or something like yeah. that. Um but a lot of the time you, you find out there's there's they find ways to get around that and shit like that. So, yeah, they interview the wife of the guy who's been charged, yeah. who gives them the story. Yeah. Who happens to have just bought a million dollar house yeah. for her and her husband in prison for no reason? Um, all right. Uh, so uh, yeah. So this was the whole point of this story was that Matt Corby, you know, had had this really successful career. Our mate Heath, you know, who took him to your party. Uh, there was this great photo in the paper actually in the confidential section, which is like the gossip section of like Matt Corby being hoist on the shoulders yeah, at this party because he you know, had such a successful hottest one hundred. Yeah. And I was like looking at the photo, and then I looked down to his groin. And it was our mate Heath, just his head, 
in front of Matt Corby's cock. <laughs> there would be so many young girls who would be like taking that photo home and cutting Heath's head out so they could like, I don't know what they would do with it. But <laughs> something sexual. It's a I bunch imagine. of young boys too as well, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. And older women, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't know actually how she felt about him. I think she was just kind of flattered in the end. So I had to, um, so I, he, he did this version of this song, this Black uh, Keys song. song. And Amy loves the Black Keys. Yeah. So this is my example of, you know, she has pretty cool taste, but that's like, I love the Black Keys too. Mm. So this is one of those areas where I'm like, we have the same taste. Mm. I'm feeling very confident that the two of us yeah. have the same taste. Yeah. And I thought, you know what she'll enjoy? This excellent version of and this the song, song she, she likes loves. by this band that she likes by this awesomely talented young Australian yeah, entertainer. That's the problem though. Look, knowing Amy... It is a delicate process. You can't introduce things just like that. You know what I mean? You have to feed her kind of... She's She doesn't like diving into the cold water. She creeps in slowly, step, 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 step. And then once she's in, I've learned with your girlfriend that if I want to... I want her to like something or kind of, you know, get her opinion on something, I don't just bombard her with, I love this because her immediate reaction is, if you love it, it must yeah. suck. You're a digger. Yeah. <laughs> you are a digger and I won't like anything that you yeah. like. And she's even said that to yeah. me. Like, she hates things that everyone loves, which yeah. is <laughs> ludicrous. But... I know that that means... But that's how we know she's cooler than us, Charlie. That she hates everything that we and everybody else like. That's how we know she's cool. Sunshine. Hate it. Hate it. (laughs) Happiness. Boring. (laughs) She actually said something uh, when we went and saw The Descendants, uh, which just... It was so funny. Uh, There's a character in it called Sid, who is... George, George Clooney has a daughter... And his daughter has this friend who is this kind of like meathead gunder, no hoper kind of dude. Comic relief, essentially. And when Amy saw him on screen, because he's kind of like a goofy looking kid, she's just like, oh God, he's so gross. And I was like, that's the point. Like he's meant to look like a gawky, weird teenager. Like he's not meant to kind of look kind of cool or attractive. Yeah, he didn't. It's funny in that movie, like he didn't fit in with the pace of the movie. Yeah. It was weird. But then I kind of thought maybe that was the point. Yeah, I think so. Like, that he was a bit out of... Like, he's not meant to be there with them. Yeah. They're a family going through this really well, that's what, intimate experience, and he's completely out of place to be there, well, and he feels out of place in there in the movie, exactly. and I think that's what it's meant to... Exactly. I mean, I hope this is not... We should spoiler, 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 but Gemma had the same thing. She was like, oh, I don't understand what that character was and why he was there, and you never saw the daughter even talk to him. And, I, and my reasoning is that the only reason the daughter got him there is because of the situation with both their parents. They weren't really that good of friends. Yeah. He was just someone she knew that was going, had gone through a similar situation. So he should have been out of place because he's not friends with anyone there. That's why he doesn't involve himself in conversations or anything like that. Weird character choice, I thought. I didn't really sort of like the film too much. No. Um, it was a bit disappointing, I mm. thought, because I love Alexander Payne. Like, I've loved every single movie I've seen. Election is one of my favourite well, it, I reckon one of the most underrated films of all time is about Schmidt. Mm. Like, that is just... If you've never seen that film, it's fucking funny. And Jack Nicholson is, like, off the hook hilarious in that film. And really offbeat, you know, funny. Like, just places you don't expect it to be funny. And Tofop's own Kathy Bates. Yeah, that's right. Not on a Lazy Susan, unfortunately. But, you know, next film. It, that'd be great if he released the DVD, the extra footage. The original hours. cut of About Schmidt and there was a scene of Kathy Bates on a lazy, on a lazy Susan. Susan. <laughs> <laughs> the studio were like, we're not sure about this. 
Should we um, uh, do... Uh, well, speaking of the, the Descendants, yeah. it brings us neatly to what we were going to discuss in this um, bonus episode, which is we thought we might... Um, the Oscars uh, list has come out. And we haven't seen all the films or anything, and obviously this is not like a... Hang on. Because this is the bonus episode, yes. keen-eared listeners may have noticed that John Deeks' intro, he referred to us as Tofob. Yep. That's why, because it's the bonus episode. It's a little Easter egg for listeners out 30 there. Odd foot of bo- 30 normally, odd foot of bonus. Normally when it's an Easter egg, you don't then tell people where the Easter egg is. <laughs> normally it's like one of those things you just let the listeners pick up and we're, they're like... We're half know, an hour into the podcast. Yeah. I think I can tell them. Like, I don't think Easter eggs are necessarily hidden. People want to know where the Easter eggs are. I mean, yeah, they're hidden. That's the whole point. That's why they're called Easter eggs, because you hide Easter eggs. Or do you just think of Easter eggs as things you buy in the shops? Well, <laughs> I was going to say, at Easter, my friend. I just go to Coles and they're all there in a row, mate. They're well, all hidden. Did you do Easter at your house growing yeah, up? Yeah, that would hide the eggs. That's no, the whole point. You've got an Easter never, egg. We never hid the eggs. So, Our eggs would just be on the mantelpiece. We never hid eggs. Really? Yeah. That's the whole point of the Easter egg hunt. I've never understood this DVD. <laughs> Why aren't they just on the mantelpiece where I can get them? You just assume they'll call things that are on the mantelpiece. <laughs> So at the start of the episode, there was a thing that was on the mantelpiece. Um, yeah, but the bonus episode is going to be about the Oscars. We're going to yeah. a little. We're going to do a TOEFOP analysis. Yeah, form guide, and it's a great form guide because I, I think I'm pretty safe to say we haven't seen all the movies. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I reckon you. Well, prob- some of them haven't come out. yet. We'll just talk about like you know our impressions. Our impressions. Yeah. You know what it's going to be like? There's a great episode in 90210 where um, uh, Jason Priestley took um, uh, what was the chick. Andrea, you know, the kind of smart, nerdy one who's yeah. in love with Andrea him? Andrea Zuckerman. Yeah. So he took Gabrielle Carteres. And uh, what was his name? Brandon. So Brandon Walsh takes uh, Andrea Zuckerman. Yep. Jason Priestley. The 42-year-old and... teenager. <laughs> yeah. So he takes her to the races and um, she's never been to the race before and they're betting on horses and she's so in love with Brandon that every horse she picks, there's some kind of connotation of love, like, you know, hearts away in race one, you know, forever together in race two and... Obviously, you know, this is what, what she's trying to tell him. So she starts winning, even because she's, she's betting with her heart. heart. She starts winning. Yep. It's a good message for gamblers. Yeah. <laughs> bet with your heart on omens. Don't study the form. Bet with your heart and think of someone you're in love with who doesn't love you and base all your bets around that. It is a winning formula. So that's what we're going to do with the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'll, I'll run through. I'll just, I guess best film. We're not going to go through all the categories, right? We'll just do best film. We'll just do the, like, the sexy categories. And like the actors and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Because we won't get to it all, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so these are the Best Picture nominations uh, for the Oscars. Uh, War Horse, have you seen it? Nope. It won't win. Won't win. Not like, enough hype around it. Spielberg's got an Oscar. They don't need to give him another one. What is it about? I, I assume some sort of horse that goes to war. From the trailers? From looks, the title. Yeah. <laughs> from the title War Horse. From the trailer, it seems to be a horse. A boy and his horse go to war in really? World War One. Yeah. That's shit house. Mm. Be great if it was like about this would be a much better film if it was about a horse that going to battle that went to battle like yeah. a battle horse. Yeah, totally. Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, but like a horse. war horse. A war horse. <laughs> like they discovered that the thing that we could like beat the enemy with was a horse that was really good at fighting. Holy shit! I just realised war horse. That's like a saying. Like someone's an old war horse, like yeah. an old footballer, like a 30, 30 year old midfielder. Yeah. Like Lenny Hayes is like a war horse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not much of a clever title though. No. Nah. Is Warhorse one word? I thought Warhorse. Like, if you're talking about Lenny Hayes, is that one word? No. Warhorse. Okay. Warhorse. Otherwise, it looks like warehouse. Oh, the guy in the paper said Lenny Hayes was a warehouse, mate. <laughs> I don't even understand what that means. 
no, I don't think it's going to win. A, because there hasn't been enough buzz about it. Yeah. And, and B, it stars a horse. Who well, else that, is in it? Is there any stars in it? Uh, the dude Loki from Thor. <laughs> really? Tom Hiddleston or Middleston or yeah. that guy. Who plays the horse? Uh, sir. <laughs> is it Peter Parker. Circus? <laughs> I went to the obvious, Jake. Andy Serkis. No, that's his name, isn't it? Andy Serkis. Well, Peter Serkis. Peter Serkis. His brother. Malcolm Luther King, Peter Serkis. Jesus Christ. You know what I sound like? What we sound like is my mum, who always calls me by both my brother's names before she gets to me. Like, she wants something. She'll be like, Matthew, Jamie, Charlie, can you pass me the song? <laughs> Matthew, Jamie, Charlie. Uh, can you change the channel? It's like she's memorised you all in order. Yeah, she fucking has to. Yeah, and so that's why she's going through. Like, she flicks them off on yeah. her fingers. Yeah, she's like a computer yeah. that's trying to find a file. She sorts the... It's like the... She's like the Terminator. You know in Terminator... When the Terminator hunts down Sarah Connor, he kills two other Sarah Connors before he gets to the real Sarah Connor. Yeah. And Michael Bean explains it to her by saying, he was killing them one by one because he was being systematic. He found Sarah Connor in the phone book. He worked his way down the list until he got to the one he wanted. My mother is the Terminator. Yeah. Um, all right, so Warhorse, we're writing that off. Yeah. It's not going to win. Warhorse is going to lose by more than a nose. <laughs> Can you do one of those for every one of them? Can you do some sort of pithy one-liner? Uh, you know what that is. It's a Lee Patch quote. Yeah. Uh, is that how you pronounce his surname? I don't know. How do you... Listeners, how do you pronounce P-A-A-T-C-H-S? <laughs> Z? Is, is there a Z in there? It's something like that, yeah. though. How do you pronounce P-A-A-T? It's like... You know what his name does at the end? It's like um, going to see like a Nirvana or something like that where at the end, the guitar playing, they just throw the guitar into the air and it just like... <laughs> What's your... Tosses out. And it's like... Argh! That's how his name goes. Because Lee, that's a pretty straight ahead name. And then Pat, you, you're pretty confident halfway through and then at the end, uh, it's just it's fucking... True. It's like a car crash. It's feedback. <laughs> it's like... Vowels and consonants fucking have a head on. Yeah. Well, he just... always does a little pithy line at the end of his reviews that kind of sums it up. So, for instance, if it was like a um, um, uh, uh, 40-year-old virgin and he didn't like it, he would say, um, you know, uh, uh, oh, shit, what would he say? The end of this film couldn't come soon enough? No, that's too clever. Yeah. It'd be along the lines of, um, I wouldn't be getting it up for this film. I wouldn't be getting up for this film. Oh, no. People will be getting it. The only written that I got. Terrible. Give me a leap patch quote. <laughs> he doesn't like the 40-year-old version. He would write. He would say, uh, um, 40-year-old virgin gets no action from me. Yes. That's the sort of thing. Because yeah. it's or never particularly unreal. Verging on the tiresome. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah okay. Virgin on the tiresome. Yeah. That would be very good. That, okay. that would I'm going to need your help. All right. we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we together will come up with a, War a leap horse, patch. War horse, you'd say something like, this horse deserves to be taken behind the blinds and shot. Too long. It's oh, normally yeah, one true. sentence. I think loses loses by more than just a nose. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, something like that. War horse, war donkey. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right, the artist. Haven't seen it, but I think that... No, that, that, that'll probably be nominated for Best Foreign Film as well. No. Can they be nominated two categories? Yeah, of course. Okay, so I think it'll win for that, so it won't win for this. Uh, it, it, I reckon it's going to go in pretty hot favourite, though, the artist. It seems to be getting a lot of, you know... Because people are like, they don't talk. I don't enjoy that. <laughs> I think <laughs> So the, it must be good. <laughs> I think the quirk factor will be enough to translate to the mainstream. Are you interested in seeing it? I literally, yes. I am literally one of those people who gets scared off by going. Oh, I know it's an interesting take on it, but are they really not going to talk for the whole film? 
I'm literally one of those people. Yeah. I'm um, like, am I going to have to read stuff and they're not going to talk? Do, I don't think they do title cards. It's not like it's a like silent literally movie. silent. I think it's there's no dialogue, so the whole thing is mine. Yeah. The whole thing? I think so, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Maybe they do have title cards. I don't know. I, I don't know either, but... Either way, I'd say it. Just because, just from a, a filmmaker point of view, they've given themselves a challenge, and I want to see how they pull it off. We've done a couple of silent podcasts. If, <laughs> if, David, very good. if David Lynch had made it, yeah. or David Cronenberg or Terry Gilliam, you'd probably want to go and see it? Because... I don't think I would, because you know what? I've really become, and we've talked about this before, but I, I've really become such a... Movie hater. Movie hater, that I really want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And if the idea of it, already makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, it's like I haven't seen Avatar. Everyone in the world saw Avatar. People are saying you should just see it for the 3D. Nothing about that film appeals to me. There's nothing about it that makes me want to see it. But that's that's retarded. You haven't seen it. Like, I, But that's what I'm saying. There's nothing about it that gets me into the cinema. And I'm a bit like that with the artist. I think you would like it if you saw Avatar. Knowing that's you. what people say, but I don't think I would. I think maybe you've worked it up in your... Like Gemma, for instance, has never seen the original Office, the UK Office. Really? Yeah. And she won't because it doesn't appeal to her. She finds that whole... having Being someone who grew up in the UK and worked in the UK, yeah. she finds it's too close to the bone. And also she's not a fan of that Curb Your Enthusiasm... Awkward comedy. Awkward comedy where it's real... She doesn't like seeing ugly people being awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So she never, that's why they didn't picture but the, it like that. But you know, she has a great sense of humor, and there's a lot of comedies we watch that she likes. But just that particular flavor is like ugh, doesn't interest her. Well, that's I, I think that's what I'm bringing to the table yeah. is this: I'm bringing to the table the idea that I already don't like movies, right? So but that if, genre, sci-fi fantasy. Well, I'm just saying in general, as a blanket statement. Yeah. If you had to say to me, you have two choices: A, I like movies, or B, I don't like movies. I would have to say. B, I don't like movies, right? Yeah. But I go to the movies all the time because I enjoy going to the movies. And when I see a good movie, I, I enjoy it enough. But um, if I already, even movies that I like, I get disappointed by. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like, fucking entertain me. Yeah. Like when we were watching The Descendants, yeah. uh, which is nominated, you know, for an Oscar. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm giving too much away that because I think this is kind of vaguely out there as the premise of the film. But his wife yeah. uh, is in a coma yeah. in the film. And there was halfway through that film where they were having another, like, you know, long language shot of Hawaii while they were playing so Hawaiian music boring. over the top of her. Where I was just like, you know what would make this movie better? If his wife was a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... Explosions. Give why can explosion. she not suddenly rise from her coma and go on some sort of we revenge know what machine? I heard someone say behind us when we saw it <clears throat> was... Uh, because, you know, there's numerous scenes where he's visiting his wife in hospital and uh, they get to the point where it looks like she's going to die. Well, you know, I'm not giving anything away. It looks like she's going to die. Yeah. And um, he goes to give her a kiss. He goes and sort of like says his goodbye and goes to give her a kiss. And the guy, like three rows behind us, turned to his mate and has gone, watch this, she's going to wake up. <laughs> I was like, it was so sad. <laughs> None of Junior thought she was going to wake up. So the artist. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably going to be one of the Oscar favourites. Yeah. So what's your Lee Patch 
Lee Patch style review. Because he liked it. I'm so, going to say he liked it. Yeah, so it'd be like um, Home is Where the Art Is. Home is Where the Artist. Home is Where the Art Is. Home is the Artist. Home yeah. is Where the Artist, I think yeah. you could get away with. Yeah. That's a pretty good Lee Patcher. Yeah, that's definitely in Patch territory. Yeah. <laughs> so that's definitely in Patch Adams. Yeah, that's Patch esque. <laughs> What would you join? You don't have to if you if you don't think you can top it. Well, you um, don't have to. Uh, well, I don't think I can top it. I'm just offering okay. alternatives. Uh, alternatives. Yeah, well, spitball session. Yeah, uh, if you didn't like it as much, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, oh, no, no. If you, th- if you think, no, this is his, it's going to clean up. And like my last line of the review has been something like, "Yeah, guaranteed to clean up all the awards." Yep. So this is my Lee patch. Silent, but deadly. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. What's the next film? This is one I've seen. So finally I can talk about something with a little bit of knowledge. Uh, Midnight in Paris. Have you seen that? Yes, I've seen that too. Uh, what did you think of that? Time travel, baby. <laughs> uh, look, I liked it. I didn't love it as much as everyone else seems to have loved it. Quentin Tarantino named it his favourite film of the last year. I uh, I liked it. I like Woody Allen. Like I'm a, you know... I, he's hit or miss for me. I like some of his stuff. I'm not a fan of his shtick, but, you know... I don't think anyone. I don't think each of his movies are necessarily great. Like I'm not one of those people who's going. Everything that Woody Allen has made is great because I don't think that is the case. Yeah. I think I really like maybe one in every four or one in every five sort of thing. Like it doesn't. But any look, any hall, I will see every film he's made. Oh really? Yeah. Fuck. No way. Manhattan, Hannah and Her Sisters, Bullets Over Broadway. There's enough sort of like hits every sort of you know now and again for me. To go, yeah, that, I, I like to say his failures are interesting to me. Yeah. And this felt like a throwaway film to me. I'm surprised it, it became an Oscar sort of film because yeah, I was kind of like, it just seemed like a usual sort of Woody Allen sort of, you know, little yeah. riff on something. Same. Little Like I enjoyed it. Really, I actually really enjoyed it. But because I'm also fascinated by, like, you know, I have this mythology around myself, which is just completely inaccurate. <laughs> But, like, you know, I, I love to imagine that I'm part of some, you know, broad artistic community and that, like, you know, I could hang around with artistic people. And the idea of being in a time where you could bump, you know, you could be out drinking or, you know, trading bon mots with, like, you know, the most famous sort of writers and artists and whatever in history, that, that really appeals to me. So the only difference with that is Owen Wilson is hanging out with, like, Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. The artist community you belong to, you're in my front room doing yeah. a podcast and doing microphones. Yeah, I'd be doing that movie work. and it'd be me travelling back in time to meet a young Kevin Bloody Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's, like, it'd be, and we'd he'd do it in that same Woody Allen style. Mm. So it'd be like a young and Kevin Bloody Wilson who hadn't quite made it yet and goes, Oh, I just I don't know how my career is going to go, mate. I just like I've you know I'm trying my best, and but like things aren't going well. I mean, I had to root a girl in the back of me. You, <laughs> oh fuck, that's exactly the joke I was going to make. God damn it! I was waiting for you to finish the sentence so I could make some rooting in the back of a you joke. Or he tells you that he's having trouble getting his wife pregnant, and he's going, "Oh god, I'd hate to be a sperm." Or is that Rodney Root? Rodney Root. Oh fuck, racist. You can understand I can get those two mixed up. Yeah, well, he'd be in it as well. Were they I mean, at the same time? The Roodster? Yeah. They were, the, back in the day in Australia, the only... K- sort of, KB Dub. The only comedy tapes you could get were Kevin Bloody Wilson, Rodney Rood, Cole Elliott. Yes, Cole Elliott dropped off the radar yeah. massively though. Yeah. I don't really know any Cole Elliott. Was he the same? Was he dirty? Yeah, he was dirty, Wasn't but not he, quite he as clean, dirty. Yeah, he was clean dirty. Is he still around? Cole Elliott? Yeah. I don't think so. You think that... I mean, he might be still playing RSLs or whatever. 
I mean, those guys would have done pretty well, especially in those days of comedy in Australia, right? Yeah, I as an alternative so. comic, because they would have been. That's alternative, isn't it? If you do like risque, they're not doing fucking hey hey it's Saturday or anything. I know it was it was a really weird one because like guys like Rodney Roode, who like was kind of a really sort of mainstreamy bogan sort of you know act, but he also was kind of Australia's Lenny Bruce. Like, he was a guy who got arrested in Queensland for breaking obscenity laws and they had court cases and stuff about what you were able to say on stage and, you know, sort of what those... Like, so he was kind of... The funny thing is that this guy doing this, and then I pivoted, was really our Lenny Bruce, you know? That actually would be a great film. Someone should make the Rodney Rude story. (laughs) I'm serious. I think it'd be good. Rude. Just call it rude. Like, wouldn't that be good? Oh, my God. Who would you cast? Who? What Australian actor looks like him? Uh, like Ben Mendelsohn? No. It's got to be someone who can play co- comedy. You know who I think could do it, actually? Josh Lawson. He'd have to put on some weight. No, because Rodney Roode's a little bloke. Like, he's a little nuggety, Aussie sort of wiry bloke, and he's got a kind of a pop belly and a little goatee beard. Right. and like He's odd-looking. Yeah, he's odd-looking. Yeah. Stephen Curry. Yeah, great. Stephen Curry, if you put on, like, he'd have to put on some weight. Yeah. He'd have to put that fucking jockey weight back on, mm. plus... You know, some extra yeah. weight as well, but he could definitely play Rodney Roode. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. I think someone Stephen should Stephen Curry is Rodney Roode. Rude. Don't Rodney fucking Rude steal story. that idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna explore that. I think that's actually not a I'm gonna do some Wikipedia-ing on Rodney Roode and write a script. It is kind of an interesting story because Australia at that time was quite a conservative place, and particularly Queensland was like the kind of the most conservative That was the state that banned like Silent Night, Deadly Night, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Do you remember that when you're a kid and you go to a video store? And, like, you go to the horror section, videos would have banned in Queensland. Uh, I always thought that was such a great marketing thing. I'd love to be able to fucking put that on my film. I think in Queensland still to this day, that all sort of pornographic magazines in, like, service stations and news agents and stuff have to come in Sealed. plastic covers. Yeah. And when I say pornographic, I mean, I think even in normal news agencies in most states, you have to kind of, you know, glad wrap your fucking hardcore pornos. Yeah. But... In Queensland, still, like, you know, Picture and People magazine and, like, you know, home blokes and just girls sending in their boobs and stuff like that. That's all in the classic rapper, Laura Palmer style. Isn't that so quaint in the age of the internet? (laughs) A girl showing her breasts. We must cover it up. It's like, dude, I can get that on my mobile phone. The guy's just standing next to the Zoo Weekly that's wrapped in fucking Glad Wrap (laughs) and he's downloading Two Girls, One Cup on his iPhone. Which is also covered in plastic. Well, you know, uh, I was talking to um, our mate Greg McLean, who made Wolf Creek, and he was saying one of the uh, the best things for the film that was completely unplanned was because the Peter Falconio trial was happening in the Northern Territory when that film was going to get released. It got banned in the Northern Territory right? for you know fear that it could influence the jury or something. So they had all this press before, like six months before the film came out, banned in Northern Territory. So people are immediately like, oh, I've got to see that fucking film. Like it's actually a great marketing device. They didn't. They had nothing. That they got the particularly best. because if you've ever been to the Northern Territory, nothing is fucking banned <laughs> in the Northern Territory. That is a part of Australia that still, I think, until recently had unlimited speeds on, like you know, roads and stuff in some parts of it, and and it's like a fucking. It is the outback as far as Australia is concerned. Even like the cities of the Northern Territory, when you go to fucking Darwin or Alice or whatever, there's still a little bit of fucking wild west. Yeah. Is when you step off. The, I've never been there, but I imagine when you step off the plane, it's like you hear didgeridoos. Like you know, every film you see that's the outback, you hear a didgeridoo on the soundtrack. It, it's literally one of those things where it, it's not even that. There's just this sort of like, it, it feels like the old west. It feels like everyone there has a fucking story, <laughs> and everyone there might have a gun, and you know that 
you could get involved in some sort of illegal caper right. by accident. My film is starting to take shape. Rodney Rude tours the Northern <laughs> Territory. He comes into the Northern Territory. There's two competing pubs that like have this feud. Yep. And he comes Perfect. in as this drifter. Yep. And he's sort of like he aligns himself with one pub and does comedy there. But then he realises that they're actually the bad guys and goes and starts comedy at another pub. So it's almost like uh, the Yojimbo story, you know, that yeah. samurai film? Yeah. You come into a small town and you're sort of the mercenary, but you actually take up the cause of the righteous people. Yeah. That's the film. Or Tom Cruise in that, whatever that film was, the Japanese war Last film. Last Samurai. Last Samurai. Is that, I haven't seen it. Is that what happens? Pretty sure. I think he's an American guy. Yeah. Because... <laughs> you haven't seen it. All right. Midnight in Paris. Okay. Uh, so let's say, I'm going to say Lee Patch liked it. And uh, he would say something along the lines of, um, oh, God, Um, uh, this is, this film gave me a Woody. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good. That's right, pretty that, good, actually. That, that's Lee Patch working blue, but yeah. that's what I'm going to... That, that's my Lee Patch that's comment. That's fantastic. The film gave me a Woody. I don't think I can do better than that. No, no, you, you do a negative one. He doesn't like the film. Oh, so he doesn't like it. Yeah, so that's what we'll do with each one. Is yeah. One of us will give it a positive patch endorsement, the other one will give a, a mm. negative patch endorsement. Okay. Uh, middling in Paris. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well played. <laughs> We're like two tennis players who went to five sets. I won. <laughs> on, a, on a break point, we shake hands. Yeah. Although one of us is a lutner. <laughs> uh, Moneyball. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it? No. Uh, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've seen Moneyball. I was, this was probably the film that I was most looking forward to seeing. Uh, probably this and The Descendants were the two films that I was most looking forward to seeing this year. Because you love Ocean's Eleven and support every side. Every project. single thing that the team from Ocean's Eleven do. <laughs> yeah, you went and saw I'm oh. Just Not There. No, what's the what's the case? Uh, the Joaquin Phoenix one? Yep. Uh, oh, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, some status, it's some comment on your uh, status. Yeah. Is anyone there? <laughs> I'm standing. I'm not is, here. I was is, around there. Is anyone up? It was just a <laughs> whole documentary about people sending in nudes on the internet. Um, have you ever seen that website is anyone up no it's become this like real sort of underground phenomenon and it's run by this guy it's run by this guy called uh, Hunter Moore yeah and I first saw him on some American current affairs show I was like when I'm in America I tend to leave the the TV on all day and sort of catch up with try to get across all the news and what people are talking about in America it's a good way to do it and it was one of those sort of like, you know, I'm an angry white guy and I have a desk. Oh, no. I'm going to oh, yell right, at somebody right, yeah. about things. Was an American flag somewhere on set? It would have been one of those yeah. things. It was just like, we set the agenda and this is something we hate. And I was yeah, like, they're no Ooh. bullshit zone. <laughs> yeah. So, so no bullshit zone. Except I'm only going to tell one side of the argument every time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was called... Uh, so this guy Hunter Moore was on yeah. and this guy was not into Hunter Moore. And the reason was... That this guy Hunter Moore uh, runs a website on the internet called Is Anyone Up? Where, and I'm not a hundred percent across, like you know, the real sort of backstory of this. So this is my pricey of what I've picked up from this interview, where people send nudes in, and he just publishes them on his website. Brilliant. But the idea is that he, like, his big successes come in. It's all ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend sort of stuff, and then it's uh, bands. He's obsessed with. So he has this whole segment 
of like just blokes in bands who've sent their cocks to like you know oh, groupies wow. and they awesome. send them to that is, a is anyone up idea for a site and so basically you can just go through and every week you'll have like different members of bands that you've heard of and like they've their sent dicks. their cock to people <laughs> but he does this how many dicks are there well, I mean, I've not spent, like, I must admit, I've not spent hours and hours on Is Anyone Up? I followed them on Twitter, so occasionally I get a little sort of view post about someone famous or whatever. I'll, like, yeah. go and have a look. But, um, I mean, it's really horrible. Like, it's, it's, it's absolutely horrible, but it's kind of, like, fascinating. And he does these photo montages where at the end, so if, say they've sent in, so it's, like, the, a girl's sending in, like, you know, so it's her, like, taking a photo of herself in the mirror. Then the next one, she's in her bra. Then yeah, the next yeah. one, it's, like, you know, yeah. something full-on's going yeah. on. Then down the bottom, he'll have some sort of ironic cartoon or comment yeah. about the sort of, you know, series of things. It's quite interesting. Are they always showing their cocks to bands? No, not all. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think if it's bands, they, they pretty oh, much are always yeah, showing their cocks. shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just logged on. And, uh, okay, so it says Tony Sugent from Detroit, uh, Me Sycamore. It's a band. The band's oh. called Me Sycamore? I guess so. My Sycamore. Yeah. So you get a, a few photos of him just like candids. Yeah. And then right down the bottom, he's gripping his cock. Both hands are... Wow, it's actually quite big. <laughs> no wonder he's sending it to people. Yeah, no shit. It kind of looks like he's holding... We went with a bonus podcast. He goes, if you guys uh, you know, have a hundred likes on our Facebook page, I'm going to send you all a picture of my massive cock. <laughs> it looks like he's holding like a, a giant purple banana. <laughs> no, it looks like he's holding a giant uh, wax candle that's made like in the shape of a banana. It's huge. <laughs> and underneath it, they've got a gif of uh, uh, James Franco doing bug eyes, as yep. if to say, that is the biggest cock I've ever seen. Yeah, so that's what he'll do. He'll do these okay. series of things and then... And so, basically, on his... Um, on oh, his... my God. <laughs> Fucking hell. This site is... I... Wow. There's another one. <laughs> and this is a guy uh, f- called Pierre-Olivier Leferbe from the Montreal band Forever the Light. And it's, he's, it's like... A, they're like a punk band. They look like a pop punk band, like Blink-182. Yeah. He's got like a... I would say, if I was going to say, the predominant amount of bands that are like sort of representative are people who look like they're in bands like Blink-182. But this doesn't look like girls have... T- these guys are volunteering these photos. No, I think these guys have sent these photos... Like, I think the idea of the website is guys in a band have, like, sent these photos to some, you know, girl they wanted to hook up with or whatever. I don't know. I mean, this one setup, right? The first yeah. two photos, the guy is in a rehearsal room, right? So yeah. it's not like he's at home, a bit horny, you know, using a webcam. Like, he's in a rehearsal room. And someone else is taking the photo. So I think he's deliberately sent his cock in. Well, the, look, you know what? The, it, All right, okay. So we're following the Twitter feed yeah. of late, because you'll run these competitions for like a beanie or like a hoodie, and you'll get people to send in <laughs> nudes. Yeah. And you're so surprised by the people who send in nudes. And I only check it out if it's someone... Travis Barker sent his cock in. This is the weirdest thing. I only ever check it out if it's someone local. So, like, if it's someone from America or whatever, I won't check it out. Yeah. But if it's some, like, it's like, blah, 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 from Adelaide, I'm always like, I'm going to have a look at that, right? All these rock stars shave their balls. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. That's They're... what you do if you're a rock star. Fucking You hell. can't have fucking ball hair getting in the way of your rock and roll, I man. I thought rocks... This whole entire band sent in their cocks. <laughs> They're called... <laughs> the th- the oh, three ten inches. No, it's... Uh... Caleb Jackson... Must be the Caleb Jackson band, I guess. There's three guys all in the same room. So they're all in the same room together. Yep. Showing their dicks. Wow. <laughs> what happened to the world? 
When did this become like a website? So this guy, Hunter Moore, he, he runs this like, you know, is anyone up? And so I check them out if they're local. And the other day, Charlie, I had a great experience in my life. Oh, my God. So... Do they do chicks? Yeah. So, like, chicks will send, send in. St- oh, yeah. Okay. So, you'll do these things. You'll go, I'll give you a beanie if you send in a nude, right? That sort of thing, right? So... This is my new favourite <laughs> He said the other day, you know, I'll give you a beanie if you send in a nude. Yeah. And all these people send in nudes. And I don't click on any of them. Except then when, if it's someone from, like... Melbourne. Melbourne or whatever, or I go... I'm going to have a look at that, right? Because chances are you might just run into that person. So I've been doing that, I would say, for about three months. Yeah. Something happened the other day, Charlie. It was the first time this thing had happened. But I clicked on this person's Twitter site. Yeah. And they followed me on Twitter. (laughs) Wow. And I was like, wow, someone who just sent a nude in to Is Anyone Up follows me on Twitter. That's amazing. That is is pretty explicit. This chick is showing like her vagina and anus. Yeah. Like, well, he has something, but this is weird. This is like kind of hipster pornography. Mm. It's like, I don't feel bad looking at this. I feel like I could show this to Gemma, but, but that's exactly what it is. It's got this whole sort of subculture. It's become legitimate this thing. pornography. <laughs> I thought, yeah. Legitimate pornography. We've like, dreamed this day for so long. I can look at this porn and it's kind of cool. So Hunter, um, he gets these people to, to send these things in, right? <laughs> this is a hardcore photograph. Oh yeah. Some of them are really hardcore. Fuck me. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Right. So, um, <laughs> Charlie, you look really shocked now. I love it. I, I, I'm, yeah, okay, fuck. I mean, I'm seeing objects disappear into orifices. It's People send weird and wonderful things in. And he has this saying, which I've never looked up what it means. But can you look up? He has something that's like... This girl is beautiful. It has something <laughs> that's like NB... NHC or something N-B-N-H-C. like that. NHC. Is that what it is? Is it? N- I'll look it up. So I found it. Yeah. So I, I only found this because someone that I follow on Twitter like yeah, linked something to it. That's the way I find everything. And um, he has this thing that he posts, which I've never looked up. So this kind of gives you an indication of how into this side I am. Yeah. Kind of in passing. Yeah. Um, he has this thing that he posts, which is NBNHC or something like that. Uh, is that what it is? HNC. 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 So it, NBHNC. 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 What does that mean? According to Urban Dictionary, it, yeah. it means, and it originated at Is Anyone Up? Yeah. It means no butthole, no care. Right. Okay. So that makes sense. So if you're posting a photograph... Yeah. You can show your tits, your vajaj, but if you're not showing your anus, I don't... Hunter doesn't care. Yeah. Well, yeah. is it Hunter or anyone? No, I think, I think that's his okay. policy. Well, okay. So there's three definitions according to Urban Dictionary. Uh, definition one, no butthole, no care. Originating from the site is anyone up. Hunter Moore. Basically, it means I see your butthole in your nudes. Yeah. Um, and they use an example in a sentence. It's simple. N-B-H-N-C. Then definition two is, put simply, means no butthole, no care, meaning if a girl isn't showing her butthole on a picture or a video or even real life, you're not interested in her. A hashtag made popular by Hunter Moore of the website, is it anyone up? And then they give an example, man, if she ain't showing her butthole, I don't really care, hashtag NB HNC. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's what I've seen Yeah. over the years. I've just never cared enough to look it up. Yeah, no butthole, no care. That, you know what? That is... It sounds like an is- insurance company. <laughs> 
<laughs> no butthole, no care. <laughs> we insure for specific accidents. <laughs> if it's not Lucky. your butthole... You're with NBHNC. <laughs> Is your insurance company butthole no care? Well, we're no butthole no care. Oh, what I love is it we sounds self- like a fucking. It actually sounds like a um, like a no butthole no, no care. care. <laughs> well, I've one I say one lonely day. No butthole no care. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Where we used to sit, <laughs> not on your bottle, because that was precious. <laughs> um, amazing that we know about no butthole, no care. Yeah. But how the fuck did we get from Moneyball to that? Well, that's the interesting thing, Charlie, because you haven't seen Moneyball. But uh, one of the most pivotal scenes <laughs> between Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill <laughs> is Brad Pitt asked Jonah Hill to send him his dick. And he's like, no butthole, no care. And that's why Jonah Hill lost all that weight, because he couldn't actually get his butt cheeks wide <laughs> enough to show Brad Pitt's. Uh, is it good? You know what? I was I was genuinely looking forward to this. I just, I think that Brad Pitt is a good actor, and I don't, I think Brad Pitt is a good actor who doesn't necessarily get a lot of good parts. Like, I know he's in a lot of movies. Well, hang but on. I, he would have to bear some of the criticism of that, though, because I guarantee he's getting offered everything. If you can... If it's you not can, like he's getting good parts. Okay. He's choosing bad parts. If you consider being part of a good actor, choosing good parts, then I'll take some points off him being a good actor. But if you consider being a good actor, what you bring to... From, you know, the start of shoot to just what you bring to the screen. Well, I'll bring up a, a more dramatic example. Who's a good actor who chooses bad films? And do you still think he's a good actor? Uh, uh, like Michael uh, Keaton. Good actor? Yes, yeah, bad, bad films. Uh, I would have said Gary Ullman for a while. Yeah. Good actor, bad films. John Bill, Malkovich. Bill, Murray, Bill Murray was that yeah. right up until Lost in Translation, I reckon. Yeah. So I think that Brad Pitt, who obviously gets the choice of everything, I don't think he always makes the best choices. Yeah, but he's no worse than a Bill Murray. No, but I think he is pretty good, and I think he's pretty good Ca- in this film. Anyone who thinks that he can't act, watch California. Like 12 Monkeys is the one that everyone goes to, but yeah. California, if you didn't know, if you'd never heard of Brad Pitt before yeah. and you watched that film, you would think he was a genuine fucking, like, ugly... I mean, he made himself ugly yeah. with no prosthetics. That's how good he is in that film. And he's under... And I, look, I think... Or is he ugly? Maybe I'm fucking misremembering. No, but but he makes himself... The, the character is ugly. ugly yeah. But do you think girls would look at him in California and still say that? Racist, violent, redneck, I'd still fuck him. Yeah. I will shave him and clean him up and teach him some opinions on things that I like. Hang on one sec. Okay, so we just had a little break. Okay. We're going to introduce our girlfriends to the show. This is Gemma. Hello. This is Amy. Hey. <laughs> Very enthusiastic participants in TOEFL. Yeah. yeah. We wanted to ask you. This is this is not an interview. This is a hostage situation. <laughs> it feels like an it interrogation like it. room. It's a white light in my eyeballs. <laughs> we just want to ask you guys one question, and then you can leave. Yeah. Yeah. We're just talking about Brad Pitt, right? <sighs> and we were saying he was so good in California that, like, you, if you didn't know Brad Pitt, you would think he that guy's a, a white, like a white trash redneck. Yeah. Would you still fuck him? My focus was on David Duchovny's ass. Be honest. So would you? But would you the fuck sexy? Brad Pitt? No, I'd fuck Duchovny. <laughs> Brad Pitt or Duchovny? Mm, is he like going? Yeah, he's doing all the time? snorty stuff. I'm saying he's still so hot, even playing that really hideous character. Girls would still fuck him, I, even though he's a violent, racist I redneck. I wouldn't. 
I'd give him a go. I'd shoot him. I'd shoot him in the face. <laughs> and steal Juliet Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Love her. Boys don't like her. You, so you wouldn't even... So even in that role where he's just all like nasty and shit like that you wouldn't be like oh he's still I don't find him attractive at all yeah either you're attracted to Brad Pitt or you're not I don't find him so attractive the only time I find so. him attractive is in seven seven so you'd fuck and Brad Pitt in seven and only after dies that's the only <laughs> time heads in the box. and he's really angry and just yeah that's the only it's a great aphrodisiac hey <laughs> uh, Brad I know this is a weird request but <laughs> is there any possibility you could chop your girlfriend's head off and put it in a box and then get fired off about that because that would really turn me off <laughs> some girls go for oysters I would like a head in a box yep. if I may on your first date he turns up with just a box yep. he's like oh, I could just got you a little Fucking something vegans what? <laughs> I like Blythe Danner. Who? That's her mum. Blythe Danner. Blythe's awesome. Blythe. Okay, so she came from showbiz royalty, right? Her dad and her... Was her mum an actor? Yeah. Yes. He's an actor still. She's been in movies. She's in Meet the Fuckers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fuckers, I think it's called. Same thing. (laughs) I think Meet the Fuckers was just... The one where... The porno version. I don't think people got it. Oh yeah, it would have been the porno version. Meet the fuckers. Yeah. I'm sure that was a That's really too big porno. Easy. If it's I was, point, if yeah. I was, if I was a porn producer, I wouldn't call it Meet the Fuckers because it's too obvious. If you had to pornify the name Meet the Fuckers, but you can't say you Meet the Fuckers, what do you do? Meet would the it, fisters. Or would it be Meet, as in like M E A T? Meet. Meet the fuckers. Meet the fuckers. Yeah. You know, as in you meet them. What? You starting <laughs> to realize? You <laughs> starting to realize what we're doing here? <laughs> Can we go? You can go. Thank you. Bye. Excellent. That little show of confidence in the arm. That little pep talk. That little moment. We had a podcast in the top three last week. (laughs) Top three on iTunes. Only behind Ricky Gervais and Hamish and Andy, both of whom have... Like actual supportive. careers in studios. <laughs> I was going to say supportive partners. Possibly. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe Ricky Gervais goes home and she's like, what was that dance you did on The Office? That is so embarrassing. <laughs> well, so, like Ricky Gervais took his partner to the Golden Globes this year. What just happened to us is equivalent of Ricky Gervais taking no. his partner to the Golden Globes and after he does the hosting, he go, she goes backstage and says, is that what you do? Is that what you do? <laughs> just make fun of celebrities? Well, that's not clever. That's mean. These people are all very talented. Why are you mocking them? You're fat and British. You know what I like to believe is that our girlfriends, they just keep us match fit. It's like mm. a coach who never gives you, you know, you want to, you want your coach to say, hey, good job, you do, but he doesn't do that to keep you working. I was sometimes in an interview, you know, because I've been lucky enough, I guess, over the last couple of years to have a couple of good years. And um, occasionally you get asked in an interview by someone who's a bit over-enthusiastic about how good your years have been about how wonderful it must be for everything to be going wonderfully and how do you keep your, like, you know, feet on the ground, you know, when things are going wonderfully. Yeah. And out of respect, I've never really said, would you like to meet my girlfriend? (laughs) But now that the world has heard. Look, you know what? It It works both ways. I am Gemma's biggest critic as well. In fact, we have a problem in that I'm not a very good liar. And Gemma, being a very creative person, she's an artist and she's a director, all that kind of stuff. She will. She's often uh, prone to bolt, uh, uh, um, uh, prone to fits of creativity where she'll decide she's just going to paint all weekend. Yeah. And she'll show me something that she's just worked, like spent two days working on it, and she shows me, and I don't like it. I find it really hard to say. Uh, what I've learnt, Will, after eight years. <laughs> 
is you should just say, you like it. Yeah. It's awesome. It's great. Do that's, that first That's off. all I want around me, enablers. <laughs> I would like a lot of more people to encourage me because you know what? I've got the internet for working out what's wrong with me. <laughs> like people, people are offered a, willing to offer that advice constantly on the internet. I don't need to, you know. <laughs> you don't. You I don't need it at home. <laughs> you know what I need around me? Yes, people. People buffering me up. But there, isn't there also a thing too where you want that person should be able to tell you the truth? Like you would want your partner to tell you if you're making a really bad decision, if you're about to burn your career to the ground or at least not to try and convince you. That could be wrong, but you would want that balance of perspective, right? I Look, I, I do think that and the thing that I would... I'm trying to justify why our girlfriends hate our podcast. <laughs> It's really hard. We're doing this bonus podcast this week because we're like, oh, we're back. And like we made, you know, the top three on iTunes and like we're so wrapped that people have so been supportive you. of the podcast. And like like I said, it's, it's a really indie thing that we do. We don't record it at a radio station or it's not part of some big radio show. It really is. So we thought, let's do something. You know, people have been really nice. We got sent mugs yeah. by people. It's like everything, you know. Joel Stanton. Is really holler. <laughs> I love. It says something about Tofop that our first bit of merchandise wasn't produced by us. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're just like, it's so nice that people around the world are enjoying this, but people who we live with, not so much. <laughs> you know what I kind of feel like? I they're feel happy like... that we just talk shit in a room where they don't have to listen. <laughs> It was demoralizing before. We had to stop halfway through the podcast because normally we're just recorded in a row. But the girls came back and Junior started barking, so we thought we'll stop, we'll grab a beer, you know, yeah. we'll get back into it. And we've just come off. We're like, oh, this is going well. We're having a great time. We're laughing at each other's jokes. We take that energy into the living room. And get nothing. Nothing. It was like, Michael. suddenly I was like, am I Michael Richards doing my N-word material? Yeah. Like, is that what's happening now? Because I seem to have lost the crowd somewhere. I think Gemma would have more respect for me if once a week I disappeared in the front room and was playing with model trains. <laughs> like, she would find that less nerdy. I think for a while, I think Amy would like, I think if I was making stuff out of my own shit. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, at the start, that would like freak her out because she'd be like, oh, that's gross. But then after a while, she'd be like, oh my God, you're a much more edgy and interesting creative artist than I ever thought you were. No, she wouldn't. She just goes, "Stop playing with this shit. You embarrass me." <laughs> All right. So All right. Uh, we took a deep. Uh, Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah. So Moneyball. Uh, look, I. To be honest with you, I thought it was good. It's not going to win Best Picture. It didn't blow me away. Aaron Sorkin did the dialogue, oh, yeah. so I thought I would really enjoy that. I'm a really big fan of his. Yeah. Um, Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> that's right. Um, I just. I thought it was good without you know being great. Yeah. Um, maybe I built it up too. All right, so you're Lee Patch doing a good review. I'll be Lee Patch doing a bad review. Oh, can I be, do the bad one this time? Because I didn't enjoy it myself. Okay. You haven't seen it, so okay. you can do the... All right. Um, this film is the bell of the money ball. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say... Not funny ball. Yeah. There's oh, a, okay, no, it's no. not a comedy. It's not known as... A, it's, I thought it was a drama. All right, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Money ball ring. Oh, no, a bit okay. <laughs> no money, no money. Oh, okay, sorry. No, I've got it. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Moneyball strikes out. It's a baseball movie. Top, bang. Yeah, it took me a little oh. while, but I got there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the next film? Uh, okay, uh, The Descendants. Yeah, we both saw this just the other night. Yeah. Uh, I think that 
<laughs> I really, I actually. Did you really not enjoy it? Really not enjoy. I actually. Really, I enjoyed it. No. Okay. Uh, I didn't mind it. We we didn't say about Mid- Midnight in Paris. I liked Midnight in Paris. I found it a bit twee. I thought it was so neat. I thought it was kind of like cute. But yeah. I didn't love it as much as everyone else seems to love it. The Descendants. It was like a one joke movie, but. The thing that I would say about it is they did that one joke Pretty really, well. really yeah. well. It was a nice diversion. Yeah. Whereas The Descendants, I was like, Ugh, when can I get out of this film? I just found it so... And I love Alexander Payne. I, yeah. Like, Election is one of my favourite movies of all time. But it just was so... I just felt... I have this issue with kind of indie movies. Like Little Miss Sunshine. I think maybe we've talked about this before. I don't really like that film either. Where they feel so kind of uh, constructed. It's like... Here's the kind of quirky characters. Here's the odd setting. Here's the kind of extraneous circumstance. Like it just, it felt really constructed. To it me. was like they almost did that thing of going, if we're too entertaining, that will seem like something's happening. Yeah. Like the big plot point, and this is a, a slight spoiler. Uh, I actually think this is a spoiler, so you might want to skip over the next two minutes if you you really think you'd be affected by this. But the central premise of the film is that she is in a coma. Yeah. Um, right? So that's kind of that the, the A storyline. Yeah. And yeah, the, the ramifications of what happens with that. But there's this kind of B storyline, which is that he's got this plot of land that he and his cousins, you know, are thinking about either selling for major yeah. development or keeping, you know, in the family. Yeah. And he's kind of the executor of the estate or whatever. Yeah. And there's just no possible way through this movie that the end result isn't going to be him deciding that they're going to keep the land. Like, it's literally one of those things where you're like, there's no dramatic tension in it at all. No doubt in your mind. There's not one moment. You never go and see a Batman movie worrying that he's going to lose or Rocky thinking he's going to lose. And it's the same thing. It's like, well, he's not going to sell the land. Like, it's so obvious. But I reckon, like, the great gift of, like, a Batman movie or, like, you know, or one of those sort of movies is sometimes you think... Maybe they will lose. No. Like they actually are able to do it in a way that you go, well, there's a loss here. Whereas in this movie, I don't think they tried to do that in like in any way. Never in any of those films, Indiana Jones, uh, Star Wars, any of those big films, do you ever genuinely believe that the lead character is going to die? I honestly think side that- characters can die, mentors can die, they can lose a hand, they can shock you with the peril that the characters put through, but the hero's journey by its nature is defined by the hero surviving. Even if the hero dies, he'll be resurrected again. <laughs> I mean, you're right, but there is a, a, a part of me that... Uh, Sorry, that's a screenwriter in here. <laughs> one of my absolute uh, favourite TV shows, and I've, I've spoken about this before, is um, uh, The Shield. Yeah. The TV show The Shield. Michael based Tickles, on, your, based on, based on my your penis. penis. Yeah. True story of my penis. Um, and how my penis became corrupt and fought crime. Um, in spoilers, if you've never seen the Shield, but in the very first episode of the Shield, they do this. He ejaculates. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's called the Shield because everybody needed a shield because often Michael Chiklis would just ejaculate all over them. I would love that. That's the very first scene, the very first episode. He gets called into like the commissioner's office and he's like. Checklist, you're off the case. You're a loose cannon. And he's like, boss, I got one thing to say to you. And then his head starts to tremble and he just ejaculates all over his boss to the top of his skull. Uh, I haven't actually watched it if that was the show. There is a a storyline in the very first episode of the show that literally runs through the five or six series they did of that show and kind of gets 
you know, the ramifications of this one event, you know, essentially are what shapes the entire show. And basically what they did was they got this quite famous actor, like a guy who'd been in a sort of bunch of stuff, like, a, you know, of the cast of The Shield, probably apart from Michael Chiklis, the other person that you would recognise the most. So the two people you recognise are Michael Chiklis and this other guy, right? Of the cast. I imagine you wouldn't have known the others. So your expectation as an audience, and I think he might have even been, and this is, may well be a TOEFOP fact, but I think he may have even been in the opening credits of the show. This guy gets shot by Michael Chiklis Brilliant. at the end of the first episode. They're Brilliant. on the same team. He turns again. Like, he's a cop. They're both cops. And at the end of this episode, Michael Chiklis shoots another cop from his own crew. Did you know that that was an idea Joss Whedon had had about Buffy? When he made that first series of Buffy, what he really wanted to do was put uh, one of the one of the characters that died in the first episode, he wanted to put them in the opening credits with their name and stuff. So when people saw it, they're like, okay, this guy's one of the lead characters and they see him die in the first 10 minutes. And so and it says to them, anyone can die. Anyone can die. And and Joss Whedon had a bit of that in, in Buffy. There was a... I mean, he did get a bit, by the end, a bit comic booky of like, uh, just because you die yeah, yeah. doesn't mean you're dead. But I, that was the thing I liked about that show is that at any stage, Lost, one of my absolute favourite shows, and I know there's a whole bunch of people who yeah, got off Lost for whatever reason, but one of the things I loved about that show was their capacity to take a key cast member and just fucking kill them off. Yeah. And I thought that would... So I, I admire that. That's something that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, all right, so... The Descendants? What yeah. are we gonna, what's our Lee Patch style review for that? Uh, well, I, I'll take the negative this time because uh, I didn't like it. I'd say uh, Descendants. Something about... Uh, Descendants, it's a hard one. I mean, the pun... Oh, okay, give me a second. Descends into mediocrity. The Ascendants... And that's your positive review? Yep. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, let's move on because I really can't do better than my shitty one. What's the next film? The Tree of Life. Have you oh, seen fuck. that? I've got it um, on Apple TV ready to go. I haven't seen it yet, but it's uh, saved ready to watch. I'm not a huge Terrence Malick fan. I know that he's like, if you want to impress a bunch of like, if you're at a party and there's a bunch of like freaking film school people, say you like Terrence Malick. He's like your go-to guy. If I'm at a party and there's a bunch of film school people... Do you know what I'm not trying to do? Impress them. I'm trying to get drugs from them <laughs> so that I can bear their horrible conversations. Um, I haven't seen it, but I've got a feeling I won't like it. Um, Gemma taped it. Gemma is a highly visual director. Yeah, definitely. She loves, like, you know, visual artists. And Terrence Malick is sort of known for his composition and all that kind of stuff. So she really wants to see it. I get a bit bored with those kind of films. So, I uh, so who's in the tree of life? That's Sean Penn and... Brad Pitt. I think Brad Pitt plays Sean Penn's dad in flashbacks, which what? if you've looked at those two guys together, means that Brad Pitt must have married like a troll <laughs> to give birth to Sean Penn. <laughs> that sounds like it's fucking Arrested Development or something. <laughs> that sounds like some weird fucking plot line of my, my brother is my dad. It's American sitcom Strange stuff. casting. But that is a classic example of if you're powerful enough an actor, they will cast you in anything. Like, you know, if you're Will Smith, you can be playing like fucking um, Justin Bieber. 
Because it's like, there's a portion of the studio going, well, it's fucking Will Smith. We're going to get at least this many people through the door. All I'm saying is, Will Smith is Justin Bieber. $300 million (laughs) minimum box office. Seriously. If you got Will Smith, Will Smith is the Justin Justin Bieber Bieber. story. But what would they call it? Um, Baby, baby, baby. Is that what that single was called? That's a big hit, right? But his documentary film was called Never Say Never. Never. I will he... never say never. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say nigger say never. Like, not in like a racist way, but in like a, you know, impairing any idea. Nigger say would... never. Yeah, but yeah. Will Smith would never. With if an A. If, if oh, no, because he doesn't cuss, yeah, does he? Doesn't That's cuss. right, yeah. So no. I was like, it was, it was ice tea or ice cube. Boom, shake the never. <laughs> if it was, if it was 50, 50 cent. 50 Cent is Justin Bieber. That's probably oh, not yeah. making $300 million. So. <laughs> no, not these days. Kanye. Kanye probably thinks he is Justin Bieber. Kanye West is Justin Bieber. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I would love to see that. That's the sort of thing you can imagine Kanye making. Yeah. Kanye has this idea one day and he's but like... But Kanye would actually think he is Justin Bieber. That's the thing because he's fucking insane. You know the thing about Kanye is as well? He hasn't got girlfriends fucking dissing his <laughs> ideas. Like if Kanye walked into a room full of Kanye yes men... Um, he would like and said I'm going to do the Justin Bieber story no, I'm going to play Justin Bieber everyone would be like Kanye 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 <laughs> <laughs> for the new fur coats we will be wearing from all your profits from your Justin Bieber movie never say never Kanye uh, okay so what's your Lee Patch style review for the tree of life uh, I'm going to say he liked it yeah okay cool. I'm going to say um the Giving Tree. Is that a bit too cute? Because is that book famous enough? I don't think that's famous enough. In the US, if it was a US reviewer, it could say The Giving Tree. Yeah, but it's not. Okay. Um, uh, it's a Beautiful Life. You, sh- you know what you should go with again for people who enjoyed your uh, Midnight in Paris review? You should go, also gave me a Woody. <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, Depends on people knowing it's the same reviewer though. Yeah. The Tree of Death is probably a bit too obvious. Yeah. Um, uh, good script, performances wooden. Nah, lovely. Yeah. That's really good. That's good. What's the next one? The Help. I haven't seen it. Um, I didn't see The Blind Side either. They have a kind of, you know, there's a sort of reputation about those films. Uh, I mean, it's, to be honest, it's not an issue that is very relevant to Australians. I saw The Blind Side. Right. I don't think the help is like the blind side. Isn't it about, it's about white gridiron. people helping black people? Oh, so you just think every movie about white people helping black people is... Like the blind side. So did you think that the... Would you say that it's different? Isn't the plot about like a white chick who comes to like to the South in the 60s or something and she writes a diary about how mean the housekeepers are to that the staff, the owners are to the housekeepers? Yeah, to the help. Yeah. She empowers the help. Yeah, but she empowers Whereas them. Isn't the, the blind, blind side, side is about Sandra Bullock adopting a footballer. Yeah, but doesn't she rescue him from... They're pretty know? different stories, though. But isn't it the same thing? Aren't there only like seven stories in the world? And you're just going... What's that, that's <laughs> One of them is, is white people helping black people. I think there is definitely... Uh, the story say, of Han Solo and Lando Calrissian. <laughs> that's what it looks to me like. <laughs> it, you don't think that there's a similarity between those plots? I would say. Is that an audience? Is that a film made for black audience or a white audience? I would say if you are going to draw a parallel, because I would say that The Blind Side is made for a white audience. Yeah, definitely. But I would say The Help is maybe made for like. Have you, you seen know, it? No. <laughs> 
But I'm going to say it's made for a white and black audience. Like there would be a lot of sort of color purple style. If you know, if I would, from what the impression I've got, there's a whole lot of unknown actresses and stuff who have been nominated all, for bigger. But awards. they're all playing like the help. Yeah, like they're represented as like you know blue collar workers. Everybody likes to be helped. Would you want to see? I I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I can't. But I couldn't imagine wanting to see that film if if there if I belong to any kind of like easily identifiable identifiable minority like people with small hands I wouldn't want to see a film where I was portrayed as just like but I don't think that's I mean I, having not seen the film I'm guessing it's not a, like a whole story of them just doing badly no, I'm, look, I'm guessing it's an empowering story yeah, I'm, so it's like you're going to like it's like you're going to see a story about like um, a group of people with small hands who triumph over absur- adver- adversity with the help of someone with normal sized hands yeah it's not like so like you're a baseball you know what? made up of small it. hand people and you've got a coach who's got big hands, but he teaches you how okay. to like play with small hands. I'll give you an analogy. What I think that film is like is, you know when they make a film in Australia, sometimes they'll cast like an American actor. It'll, it'll sort of stick out like dog's balls. Yeah. It'll be like um, Quigley Down Under or something like that. And the reason they've cast an American actor is to give that film North American appeal. So yeah. when they sell the film, Americans go, oh, Tom Selleck, let's go see that film. Which, by the way, hasn't been said since like 1990. <laughs> It was said at some stage, though. <laughs> Tom Selleck, let's see that film. Yeah. Um, so I think that that is what the help... It's made for a white audience, because what they're saying is, here's a story about um, this community that triumphed over adversity, but we're going to give you a little audience advocate, which is... Um, white people helped them. Yeah. You're, you're going you're gonna to see it through the white person's yeah. eyes. You're going to go, how helpful were we? Yeah. Why are people so still hung up about <laughs> slavery? <laughs> why? That Malcolm Luther King is <laughs> so angry. I don't know Have why. Have you not seen this film? Everything's fine now. We've, this lovely white girl helped you people, our slaves. <laughs> uh, the original title, The Slaves. <laughs> No, I think it's like I think if Oprah was still doing her TV show, that would have been Oprah's movie of the month. Everybody would have been encouraged to go. You know, it would have been the precious. Of I'm not year. saying it's a bad film. I'm saying it just has that theme that makes me not want to see it. All right. Whereas, like the Blind Side, the Blind Side is just about footy. Yeah, it's about a big football player, Elizabeth Sandra Bullock. I haven't seen either of those films. I really don't know why I'm getting on my fucking high horse. <laughs> no, that's the best way. Let's get really angry about things you haven't yeah, seen. I should just call Talkback Radio. What I enjoyed is you've debate you've debated the relative merits of two films you haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> like you haven't just I could be a film reviewer. You haven't just teed off on a film you haven't seen. Wow. But you've literally judged one film as being better than the other film based on not seeing either film. Wow. That's amazing. I could be a journalist in the Australian media. <laughs> All right, so we have to give a uh, for the help. What are you going to say? Oh well, I didn't like it. Yeah. So I'm going to say um, uh, this film wasn't helpful. Yeah. Need some help. Need some help. Um, Help. I need somebody. No. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. The Beatles aren't in it. Uh, um, I needed help cleaning up my vomit (laughs) after I saw this film. It's a bit longer than longer. Uh, I'm going to use a longer one. Yeah. Help is on its way. Brackets to Oscar glory. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, okay. Uh, Hugo. Have you seen Hugo? No, I really want to see it. Three day, right? We actually had a choice between seeing Hugo and the Descendants and yeah. you guys picked the Descendants. We did because I thought it would be good and I don't like 3D. But it's 2D as well. It was showing 2D at that cinema. Right. 
But isn't the whole point of that movie that it's 3D? No. I don't think so. It wasn't shot 3D. I think it was converted post. Oh, really? Because oh, like, I, I kind of know. heard, like, oh, everyone I've heard talk about is like, this is the first time I've understood 3D and what 3D can do and blah, blah, blah. No. All right. Um, no, no I think you've confused Tintin. Because I've, I've, I've heard the same thing. No, I haven't. Okay. Well, I just, no, I've, no, I've, people I've, may have said that about both of I heard about Tintin, and I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, keeping in the same fucking vein. Haven't seen it, but I've heard that Tintin is the best use of 3D yet. Like, Avatar probably set the bar in terms of creating a... Like, 3D can be a gimmick. We're going to poke you in the eye with a pitchfork. Yeah. Or it can be used to kind of create a sensation that you are in a world. Avatar did it really well. You wouldn't know. You didn't see it. No, because I don't like 3D. And I heard that Tintin, whether or not you think the story is any good, what it does really well is take a world of a comic book and create it, like, around you using 3D. Because it's not a real universe. They're not sort of recreating you know, New York or anything like that. It's an artificial universe and they use the 3D really well to kind of take you through that. But that's not what you heard. No. No, I, I heard about Hugo that it was... The same, pretty much the same thing? Yeah. Okay, now I really want to see it. You fucking son of a bitch. But isn't it like some film about like... It's a kid. Like, it's a kid's film. Well, it's not a kid's film, but there's a like, kid it's at the a heart of the film. It's a Scorsese kid's film. Yeah, but it's not like a, like, you know, he's not, the kid it's, doesn't shoot people. Yeah. The kid doesn't have, like, like you know, mob vendettas that he has fucking... Yeah, there's the first scene he walks in with his yeah. arm in a, in a brace, and Jack Nicholson just grabs the kid's arm and smashes it <laughs> over a pool table looking for a wire. No, but don't, doesn't the simple fact of Martin Scorsese has decided to make a kid's film no. make you go, if David Lynch made a kid's film... Yeah, I'll go and say that. So Scorsese is not dark enough for you to be interested. No, I, no, like I, I'm like I know I like what you do. You've done it for ages and you do it well. Don't want to see your kids' film. Okay, not interested. All right, all right, all right. So uh, um, I think I would like Hugo because and the, it's about film restoration. Oh, hang on, isn't you it? know what we haven't done with the last two films to say will they win the Oscar? No, and no is my answer. Yeah, I, know. Well, I think I think it was unsaid, but it okay. was Hugo. I think is a good chance to win. Just based on how, really? many, how many other awards it's won. The Descendants has won a bunch of awards, and we saw that, and we didn't love it. Yeah. Sideways no. was a big okay. film for him. Well, The Descendants, we didn't comment on that. I think The Descendants is a chance. Yeah, top three. Area. Because Alexander Payne is owed one, because yeah. Sideways didn't Sideways, win. yeah. And it's kind of funny. People talk about this all the time, and I think it's... No one has verified this. It's kind of accepted myth, I guess, yeah. that you could win an Oscar based on sentiment. For example, Al... Russell Crowe, Gladiator. No, no, no. Like, even more than that. For instance, like, uh, Al Pacino never won an Oscar in yeah. the 70s or the 80s when he did some of his best work. Yeah. Yet he and won he did a little hoo-ha, and people were like... And like, oh, let's give him an Oscar. And it's oh, like, no, I think there's something in that, but I also think there's something in the... If your last thing that people loved didn't quite get there, you know, you, it's almost like you've got some brownie points. Yeah. It's like uh, in the AFL, you know, when you've got a suspension, you've got like 50 carryover points. <laughs> but they're good points. They're good points. Yeah, yeah. And I reckon Alexander Payne's got that because I think that... He should have... Yeah, that's Because right. that's what Russell Crowe won for Gladiator because he was in the Insider, Scorsese, which he should have won for. Scorsese should have won his Oscar for Goodfellas yeah. instead Dancing with the Wolves won. So they gave him one for The Departed. Yeah. Which was good, but not his best. But film. no one would ever win a Brownlow based on, like, Chris Grant... Bulldogs legend probably could have won a Brownlow if not more, but definitely won a Brownlow one year, but got disqualified because he's a dirty sniper. One guy, he goes Hawthorne in a in an incident that if you look it up on YouTube would not get oh come a suspension on today he, he, he would not get a suspension today, today more than ever never the head is he gets sanctuary. points sanctuary. He, he gets hit him points, in the head maybe 
Oh, okay, points, yeah, sure. Points maybe, but he wouldn't get suspended. I reckon he'd be eligible for the Brownlow. Okay. On today's standards. <laughs> okay. This is coming from a very biased person. <laughs> there was two shooters. <laughs> All right, so Chris... Oh, fuck, what were we talking about? Chris Grant, Martin uh, Scorsese. Uh, okay, so... All right, so if the Brownlow could be decided on sentiment, then Chris Grant would have won a Brownlow before he retired. I completely disagree with that. Um, I think Dane Swan won a sentimental Brownlow this year. Dane Swan should have won the Brownlow last year. Like, he was the red-hot favourite. He had his best season he ever had. And he didn't have, even by his own standards, didn't have as good a season this year as he had last year. And he won the Brownlow, I think, based on the umpires People, catching up with going, yeah. you know what, Dane Swan is a gun. And we've underrated him, and like you know, I, I, I yeah, that's actually he's probably the most sentimental winner of a brown line. Yeah. Like I can't think of one other one that I don't think Dane Swan was the best player in the AFL this year. But there are, but certain, he was the best player in the AFL last year and didn't win. I don't so. know. But is that a sentimental thing or is that a midfielder thing? Because midfielders like Nick Del Santo has never even won a best and fairest at St Kilda, yet he's figured in the top three of the brown line twice. You know, like he's one of those players who's so good to watch. And they see so much of him that he figures really highly. So maybe it's not so much a sentimental thing is that Dane Swan plays in the midfield. Yeah, but I also think... But he got more possessions, like, you know, in 2010 than he did in 2011. Yeah, but the umpires are watching that. No, but the point is that sometimes when a guy does stuff like, like Dane Swan, he's really sort of... He gets a lot of it, mm. but he doesn't always necessarily... You know, sometimes you'll see a guy like uh, Rioli... At, Grab the like ball, Hawthorne, take two but you just go, he middle. is the biggest gun in the game. And you look at his stats afterwards and he's had 18 touches. But every one of them was like some spectacular Quality. thing. Yeah. Whereas Dane Swan will touch it 40 times and, and you won't fucking notice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the big knock on him was always goal kicking, but then yeah. you fucking change that. Kicks goals all the time. He <laughs> <laughs> kicked that by being really good at goal oh, kicking. Motherfucker. And the people are like, oh, you know that thing we thought you were bad at? You're really good at it. Actually, I, apologize. Mean, I have so much reason to hate Collingwood. And I do in most respects, but I actually like Dane Swan. Because he's quite old-fashioned. He reminds me... Remember, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but we've definitely talked about like the unfashionable footballer. Yeah. Like back in the day when football wasn't professional and you'd get like a Garbo who yep. would literally pick up bins five days a week. Paul Couch won the Brownlow medal working as a Garbo. Paul Couch or Gary Hocking? Paul Couch from Geelong. I think Gary Hocking, Hocking was also a Garbo. Yeah, but Hocking never won the Brownlow. <laughs> Hocking was the guy who I think for ages had the record for most... Brownlow votes ever got by somebody who Without didn't a win, win a Brownlow. Yeah, like right. he was one of those guys who always used to finish in the sort of top five every year. He's also a guy who, uh, for a promotion, changed his name to Whiskers, Whiskers. which is a brand of cat food. Yeah. For he played for the cats. Yeah. So in the official record, yeah. his name was Whiskers. Whiskers. <laughs> Instead of Gary Buddha Hocking. Um, so, uh, yeah, now I, I think that. Um, oh, fuck, I don't we're, know. we're talking about um, sentimental vote. Uh, Hugo, Hugo. Okay. So Hugo, uh, Hugo. So you're saying Hugo might be the Dane Swan? Uh, yes, he's done some. Oh, gro- no, actually, no. I, I just think but he's it, already been rewarded, Scorsese. But I think in turn, no, I'm not basically. He's on. an easy choice for people who haven't seen the other films. No, like, Marty always no, does good no, work. No, 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 he's no. done a kid's. No, film. I don't know. I'm not basing it on that. No? I'm not basing it on reputation. I'm basing it on what I've read. Like, in, I'm sure if you did like your Google alerts and you yep. typed in Hugo, I think it has the most nominations for a start. I think it's I, like eight nominations or something. I know, but of the sort of big, you know, ones that kind of meant to indicate, I think it's a tie from what I've read basically between The Artist, The Descendants and Hugo. They're the three that so seem to So you Hugo is like the outside chance. I would have thought that Hugo was third in that mix. But you're saying that maybe you, I, you feel I, I like I would put it's Hugo higher than The Artist. I think The Artist, especially for the Oscars, I'd say The Artist, they're going to give Best Foreign Picture. 
I don't know if this is true. This might be a top fact. Is it even nominated for Best Foreign Picture? But if it wins that, it's definitely not going to win Best Picture. Well, isn't it best... Has any film ever won um, Best Picture, Best Isn't it picture? Best Foreign Language Picture? Isn't that the category? Ah. So it may not be eligible for Best Pop Foreign Language Picture because yeah. it's, it's a silent film and it's in English, right? Yeah. But the signage would all be French. Well, would it though? Yeah, it would set in like France, isn't it? Would the signage be French Hollywood? or would it just be like... No. Le bar. I'm sure that Le dressing room I'm sure that having seen these films would give us more of a <laughs> this is the most uninformed Oscars preview but what I like is you haven't seen Hugo and you haven't seen The Descendants and you've put Hugo in front no no I'm saying based just, on no no I put it in front of the artist based on if there is a if it is nominated for the foreign film then I'd say they'll give it that. I, okay. I would say, but I would I would also say that from what I've read, Hugo and the Descendants would be neck and neck. Okay, well, seeing you like it, you have to do the positive Lee Patch review of Hugo. Um, okay, this is not my best effort, but this film is so good. Have you pushed the cord? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording. Oh, how about this? I must insist that Hugo... This film is so good, I must insist, you go. Hugo. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mind the you yeah, go. Maybe not that Hugo sentence. and see it, or yeah. you go and see it tomorrow, or Hugo The best film tonight. you'll you go and see this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, I hated it. So my review is Hugo, huge no. <laughs> All right, <laughs> nice. And the final film in the best films, and I look... I, <laughs> this is based on the fact that we haven't seen most of these films. But I'm going to say, the fi- having read through this list, I think an uninspiring year for movies. Yeah. Backing up my point that all movies are shit. Um, the final movie in this category uh, of 10, extremely loud and incredibly close. I haven't even come out here yet. Based on a play, when I was in the States, it was everywhere. It is one of the most irritating trailers I've ever seen. Well, the poster life. is irritating. The poster might as well just say, Precocious kid! Um, extremely boring <laughs> and incredibly pretentious. That's your lead review. review. <laughs> <laughs> that is... That is extremely boring, incredibly pretentious. Lead and touch. if I was giving you the positive review, it would be extremely <laughs> awesome. What's the next fucking Incredibly line? entertaining. Incredibly... Yeah. Extremely awesome. Yeah. <laughs> incredibly entertaining. Yeah, it's... um. Based on a play, it's got Tom Hanks and... Yeah, it's about a, a kid whose father had dies in 9-11 and it's like, a, I think it's a magical realism kind of thing where his father's left him clues, you know. And, and yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tragedy viewed through the eyes of a child. But if you see the trailer, this fucking kid, man, I haven't seen this film, but you just want to slap this kid. Stop being so precocious. No one likes a know-it-all. It just says to me, don't eat popcorn while you watch this. Like, there's just something about it that says you, you can... Important movie. I am important. <laughs> yeah. You will talk about me later. Uh, that is ex- that, that is so... I mean, a play for people who don't like to go to the theatre. There's so many films that it, it's just like... Um, important subject matter. Like, you have to like the film because it's about a really heavy... Like, a rape movie or um, Guantanamo Bay. And it's terrible. It's like... But it's important. It's like, no, <laughs> this is a movie. Like, you still have 90 minutes to fucking entertain That's someone. what it should be called. Important movie should win an Oscar. Because that's really what it's like. It's like a whole movie that seems to be made pretty much so people would pat them on the back or give them yeah. awards. There's actually a, a great website 
uh, called Cracked.com, which I regularly visit. And they Is it ha- associated with Cracked magazine? Yeah, so it's pretty okay. much they've gone online. They actually have a hilarious... Um, a hilarious uh, byline on their website, which is cracked the world's biggest online mag, the world's biggest website since none in 51. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> but they did this, uh, they had a photo competition where they asked people to Photoshop in. Um, you know what? This is not true. Let me just start again. <laughs> There's a, I was at a website and uh, they had this thing, which was uh, if movie, if Oscar movie posters were truthful, what oh, each okay. poster would say. Yeah. And for instance, they had J. Edgar Hoover, the J. Edgar with Leonardo DiCaprio, and the title of the film was "Please Give Me an Oscar," <laughs> and then in brackets, even if it's just for makeup. <laughs> I hear that the makeup is the thing that's shit in that movie. Yeah, that's the <laughs> one review I read said he looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> Which, if you're Philip Seymour Hoffman, you're like, so I look like a seventy-year-old man. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman is in Moneyball. Oh, is he? He's yeah. a good actor. I think he's a really good actor too. Amy hates him. Amy hates Philip C. Hoffmore. Philip C. Hoffmore. She doesn't like... Um, Philip C. Hoffmore? What did I say? Philip Seymour Hoffman. You said Philip C. Hoffmore. <laughs> I think I got him confused with... Um, what's that? Female actor who's, uh, who's uh, Felicity Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> Philip C. Hoffman. Philip C. Hoffman. Felicity C. Hoffman. <laughs> and William H. Hoffmore. <laughs> And I get those guys. William H. Macy, John C. Riley, I get confused all the time based on just their names. Why do you throw that middle initial in? It's fucking confusing. William H. Macy, John C. Riley, I get I know. it. I'm the same with John C. Riley and Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael J. Fox. Can't tell them apart. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, Amy hates all those actors. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm and, Brad, and Brad Pitt, obviously. I'm, she hates Brad Pitt. Oh, right. Oh, she made this in Moneyball. She, she hates, I Brad, hates Pitt. Brad Pitt. She hates Jonah Phil- Hill. She hates um, Philip J. Hoffman. (laughs) And she... Dustin J. Hoffman. (laughs) And she hates baseball. So she loved that film. And I was like, hey, honey, we're on a romantic uh, holiday away (laughs) together. Is how we should spend the night. What would be the equivalent if you had to cast three actors in a film that you hate? That I absolutely hate? Would it be Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, (laughs) and Peter Skarsgård, Green (laughs) Lantern? No, no. Because the funny thing is that I don't individually don't mind those actors in yeah. different things uh, definitely for me if I had to name so three actors that I absolutely hate, hate uh, can a, I guess uh, yeah definitely yep. Angelina Jolie yep definitely that's my one lock that I would definitely give have. me a hint on the second one comedy drama action age give me some hint if there was someone that I I, I really hate I would turn off the TV just because they were in something yeah then um, I'm going to say it's a it's a woman. She was a very famous movie actress, but she's not quite as famous as a movie actress now. Yes. Uh, she was very was she? famous. How she was like she? probably the biggest female star in the world at uh, what era? At some stage, eighties, seventies, in the sort of nineties. Is she on TV now? No. Is it Sharon Stone? No. But you're sort of in the sort of right zone. Someone who was very sexual. Julia Roberts. No, no, I really like Julia Roberts. <laughs> and you know, I know that's not an unfashionable thing to say. I know she doesn't make, but I find her charming. Winona Ryder. No. Biggest female stars in the 90s is what I'm going through. Yeah. Maybe maybe uh, 2000s? Credible? Maybe 90s, oh, 2000s? okay. Gwyneth Paltrow. No, she was like a big star and then faded away very quickly. But she was a oh, big, big star. Intriguing. She's still in the news a lot, but more because of her relationship than her... Oh, Lindsay Lohan. No. no, 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 like she's older. Ah, oh, Demi Moore. Yeah. Okay, so you hate Demi Moore. Hate Demi Moore. You hate Angelina Jolie. Yeah. And who's the third in this triumvirate? Of people that I wouldn't go and see a movie. 
if they were in it. Um, who would be the final person, Charlie? Who do you think it would be? Oh, have you got someone in mind? No. Uh, <laughs> but I was hoping I could think of somebody while you, you were guessing. I'm just trying to think who you hate. Would it, before uh, Dark Knight Returns, Heath Ledger. Yeah, that's true. I did. Uh, yeah, I did hate Heath Ledger before Dark Knight Returns. But all bets are off once you're fucking in that film. <laughs> once you've yeah. been touched by the wand of Nolan. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of who you really. I don't know why we called it the Dark Knight Returns. It's the Dark Knight. Fuck. Not even Dark Knight Rises. That's no. why I have the page. <laughs> um, I honestly had a moment there, by the way, while we were doing this podcast, where I was like, people will know that's not what we meant, and I don't need to correct it. And then I was like, oh my God. Like, it pisses me off when I'm listening to something and they get, like, a fact about something. I don't mind when people get facts wrong, obviously. We get facts wrong all the time in this podcast. <laughs> we have a fucking hashtag devoted to it. Yeah, but when somebody, like, pretends they're an expert on some subject and then yeah. they don't... Yeah, we've talked about anything, Batman... So- Bat- Batman. Batman. <laughs> the Jewish uh, the crime Jewish fighter. Batman. 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 <laughs> uh, I can't think of what actor that you would... Woody Allen is Batman. I, I, I'm going to take a punt and say uh, uh, almost famous chick, Kate Hudson. No, no. No, like I'm going to go with a guy. Oh, okay. God, I don't want to like... Uh, is he uh, uh, like a working actor now? Yeah, big actor. Big actor now? No, big actor. As in size or like fame? As in fame. Okay. Like, you know... I've so he's seen, big now. He yeah. headlines films. And he's always been big. And he's American? Yep. But I literally, if he's in something... I've seen plenty of his films over the years, and I've even enjoyed some of his films. <laughs> Adam but <Sandler>. the <laughs> idea that he's in something will make me think I won't go. Comedian? No. Action. Action. Action oh, and Vin, drama. Vin Diesel. No, I'm all right on Vin, oh, Vin Diesel. I hate Vin Diesel. He seems like such a cockhead. Uh, Whatever. I just don't have. I don't have time to have an opinion about Vin Diesel. I'm a busy action guy. Action heroes that you hate. So he makes regular action movies. When I say he's an action hero, what era? He does action, but he's not, not exclusively an action. Okay. In fact, drama. He's uh, act- Bruce Willis. His action movies would be the ones that I would be more likely to see. Bruce Willis. No, I'll see anything Bruce Willis is in, mm-hmm. despite the fact that much of what Bruce Willis is in is, is shit. Yeah. Okay. But I will go and see, like Bruce Willis is in it. All right. I'll have a look. Uh, what era are we talking? Same, same era as Bruce Willis. Oh, so 80s. Well, 80s, Bruce Willis 90s, had like a three 2000. Career. Yeah, oh, exactly. Fuck, That's that what big? I mean. Yeah, that big. Sylvester Stallone? No. Oh. Yeah, I'm all right with the uh, Copland is one of my favourite films of all time. Right. I love Copland. I, I thought he was so good in that film. I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Again, about this land of cops. <laughs> then there's this war horse that they have to fight. Um, is he, and he's a big star. So would you say he's earning over 20 million a movie? Like, yes. is he in that Tom Hanks uh, yes. echelon? He's Arnold Schwarzenegger. In. No. Uh, I like Arnie. I've seen pretty much everything 80, Arnie's been in. 80, uh, you'd like Will Smith. Uh, yeah. yeah you'd, I like, do. you'd like Tom Hanks. Six Degrees of Separation, one of my favourite films of all time. Eighties, nineties, action star. Yeah. But does drama. Yeah. Uh, Steven Seagal? <laughs> <laughs> Has he done drama? No. Uh, Here we got paid over $20 million per film, apart from by his mob connections. Who the fuck is this actor? It's not George Clooney, because we've been down this road before. Imagine if it was. Um, Can you give me another hint? Yeah, of course I can. Um, I can uh, give you as many hints as you want. Okay. Uh, Is he Caucasian? Definitely, yes. Is he over 40? Yeah, I'd say he's over 40. Yes, because he's had 80s, 90s. Is he over 50? Um, I'm not sure about the truth, but I, I don't think you could handle the truth. <laughs> Jackie Chan. 
No? He's 80s, 90s and today. He's like Today FM. The best of 80s, 90s and today. No, it's not Jackie Chan. Do they have to change their motto, best of 80s, 90s and today, because there's been the noughties now. Best of 80s, 90s, noughties and today. A lot of that time on radio, you find them, like, they'll skip a few decades. Yeah. So it'll be like the best of the 60s, 70s and today. <laughs> Forget about the 80s. We're like old stuff and hurt stuff you heard yesterday. <laughs> Nothing in between. Um, okay, so he's oldish. Yeah. He's action guys. Christopher Lambert. No. It's famous. Christopher Lambert never got $20 for a film. Like, yeah, like $20 million. Yeah. Not, you, know you wouldn't show him that sort of money. Who the fuck is... So I've said... I, I, give me another hint. Grey oh. hair, dark hair, blonde hair. No, he's got dark hair. Is he... Is he ugly or good looking? Uh, I think a lot of people find him good looking. But I, I, I don't find him good looking. But But I... He's, it's a bit weird. Like, he's kind of a sex symbol, but at the same time, I'd say that there'd be an equal amount of people who are like, ugh. Yeah, right. 20 million a film. Yeah. He's been working for three yeah. decades. Yeah. <sighs> oh, no. <laughs> Is he ever on TV? Uh, I, uh, you know what? He never had his own... He never had, like, a Magnum PI or a... I don't think he'd ever feel the need to do TV. What was... Did he have a... One, what year was his breakout film? Oh, oh Mickey Rock. No, it's not Mickey Rock. It's risky to guess, I guess. Um, Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, Tom Cruise. Oh, my God. He didn't feel the need, the need for speed. <laughs> oh, you risky you business. business. Hey, <laughs> so many clues did you give me before risky? I did risky business. Uh, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Oh, my God. <laughs> what we've established over 69 episodes <laughs> is that I'm terrible at celebrity head. <laughs> Hey, um, uh, I saw on iTunes the other day that that Tofop podcast is like number three. Um, oh, they must do some good stuff on that. What do they do? Well, sometimes I play Celebrity Head, and one of the guys is really bad <laughs> at guessing really obvious things. <laughs> His mate's giving him clues the whole time. He doesn't even fucking hear it. Wow. <laughs> Have I ever guessed one of the Celebrity Heads? Oh, I got sure. George Clooney after about an hour. Yeah. And jo- John Howard, I got pretty quick. Well, not quick. Like an hour. <laughs> the podcast. All right. So that's all the films. Uh, so extremely loud and incredibly close. I've done my extremely boring. Yeah, and, no, I said that it's yeah, actually okay. awesome. So okay. uh, best actors. Are we out of the films now? So can, well, just briefly before we move on from the films, because I don't think that's a very inspiring lot okay. of films. What have oh. you, is there anything that you saw this year oh, that you shit. think should have been on that list? I've got a couple of things that I think should have been on that list. The problem with me is I actually don't see a lot of films at the cinema. I watch them, you know, on demand or or at home. So I don't actually know what qualifies this year. Uh, The best film I've seen, this is is so derailing everything, but I saw a great film that was made three years ago on DVD. It's a Spanish film, but it's called King of the Mountain. But uh, the... Spanish translation is like... About the uh, Midnight Oil song? Yeah, exactly. Or about the life of Peter Brock? Black snake <laughs> sitting on, a, on the grass waiting for the stranger to come out. Um, no, oh, that, look, I'm going to cut that out. I have, Look, I don't know. Why? Tell me your films. Uh, well, I would say that I thought Drive was a pretty good film. No, didn't like it. Didn't like it. And I wanted to love that film. Well, I thought that was... Uh, I enjoyed Drive more than I enjoyed The Descendants. Oh, you know what? Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I'm going to put this on the list of things I've enjoyed more than the films I've seen that are on this list. Yeah. So, 
The only films that I've seen that are on this list, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, uh, The Descendants. Yeah. Right? So that's the only films I've seen. Yeah. I will tell you three films that I enjoyed yeah. more than those films. Go on. One, Drive. Yeah. Two, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And three, Fifty Fifty. Okay. Which was that movie about the letters that people write to their old son. I'm trying to think what I saw. X-Men? It wasn't better than any of those films. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I'd say better than any of the films I've seen on this list. Didn't like The Descendants. What the fuck else have I seen this year? That's really bad. I haven't seen anything. Maybe I've seen it and I just can't remember. That's bad. You'd have to tell me what films have been released in the last fucking 12 months. Can I say something that... No, I know what you're going to point out, and it's very alarming. It's very alarming. And, well, get, see if you can guess what I'm going to point out. Because uh, as a person who is a filmmaker, I can't remember any films I've ever seen. Oh, no, that wasn't what I was <laughs> going to point out. But that is alarming. That is alarming. Uh, no, I was going to point out this. If I'm being completely honest with you, and I need to point out, I love Alexander Payne. I've really enjoyed all these other movies. I, I enjoyed George Clooney. I thought all the performances in the movies were good. But if I'm going to be completely honest with you, <laughs> I enjoy going to see Jack and Jill more than I enjoyed The Descendants. Wow. Wow. Even though Jack and Jill were so horribly bad, Does Justin there was, know this? There was think, part how- of me that, you know, still was enjoying how bad it was. Part of me wanted to like The Descendants based on the fact that Justin loves George Clooney. I like The Descendants. No. I thought it was okay. No. I found it so painful to watch. I, I yeah. almost was going to tweet Justin and I was like, what is the point of saying you didn't like it? And it's like, I mean... It's, He'll probably win an Oscar for Best Actor. He doesn't do anything in that film. Like, if they were giving an Oscar out for Can You Be Yourself Really Accurately? <laughs> like, I know George Glenn doesn't work in a law firm, but there was nothing about that that was seemed miles away from who he is. I didn't even think that he was the most interesting character. I thought the daughter was really good. The teenage daughter. I thought she was great. That I was... thought both the daughters were very good. Yeah. Yeah, that little one needs to quit acting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. But if, if there was some reality show where it was like little kids would come out and do monologues, I'd be the arsehole judge. That was a great rendition of Married Little Lamb, but you should quit acting. All right, well, let's talk about some actors and we'll wrap this up. Okay. Uh, the And actresses. We can't be fucking sexist. I meant... Well, I wasn't being sexist. I meant actors, as in... Actors, plural. Plural. Okay. Plural. P- plural, gendal. Yeah, gendal, exactly. Gendal, Your gendal's plural. Uh, best actress. The nominees are Glenn Close. I haven't seen it. Albert Nobbs won't win. Albert Nobbs. Too ugly. Watch your Lee Patch review for uh, Glenn Close in <laughs> Albert Nobbs. You can use either <laughs> Albert Nobbs or Glenn Close. Um, uh, uh, Nobby's nuts are bitter. <laughs> or Nobby's nuts are tasteless or something like that. Yeah, I like that. If That's I didn't good. like it. Yeah. I like that. Um, uh, Glenn Close, but no cigar. Yeah, good. Uh, Viola Davis. In The, the Help. Help. Uh, won't win and you know we've done a help tagline haven't we <laughs> didn't we do a help imagine if Lee Patch had to do that he's gone I've already done a pun on this oh one. does he have to do another one okay yeah. is it about Viola Davis or about the help Viola, either okay. way okay um, uh, uh, I'm playing the world's smallest Viola Viola what's her name Viola, Viola. I'm playing the world's smallest Viola for you Davis which okay. doesn't win alright yeah uh, the ah uh, 
We'll need some help for victory. Yes. That's okay. it. Yeah, simple. Um, all right. Uh, Rooney Mara, the girl with the dragon tattoo. She won't win because uh, the film hasn't been that well received. She's too young. It's got good reviews, though. Like, yeah, but it's I've not... seen a bunch of reviews, like, because David Fincher directed his real cool. There's too many. There's, there's women ahead of her. Like, I mean... The big we haven't got to her yet, but Mar- uh, Margaret Thatcher—that's <laughs> how good she is. <laughs> Meryl Streep is looming over. Margaret this. Thatcher is Meryl Streep. Yeah. <laughs> Meryl Streep is looming over this entire category, and the film—that film is meant to be terrible. But yeah. she—we'll oh, get to her. In a, we'll go back okay. to. Uh, we'll go back to who am I talking about? Meryl Streep. No, no, before her. Oh, Rooney Mara. Yeah, Rooney Mara won't win. The girl with the dragon tattoo. That film wasn't—it wasn't loved. Like it was well reviewed, but it wasn't yeah. loved. So the lead patch would be. Um, uh, Jesus. Uh, so close, so Mara. <laughs> no. Okay, that's not quite work. Um, if she wins... Uh, no one's going to buy this Rooney tune. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just call it the girl with the it was nice to be nominated tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I like yours better. All right. Uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah. The Iron Ladies. Okay. So has everybody in the world made this joke, but I enjoy this joke nevertheless. Not the sequel to Iron Man. <laughs> nice. It was like one of those jokes that I think every comedian in the world at the same time was like, I'm going to do some Iron Lady, Iron Man joke. Yeah. I haven't seen this film, and from the reviews I read, it's not that good. But what this film is, is the way you sell this film is you're a producer looking for investment. You say, we are going to take the best actress in the world and let her do an impersonation that is so flawless you won't fucking know if you're looking at the real thing or not. So they don't worry about the plot or whatever, and they get the world's best impersonator, essentially. Like, she's the world's best actress, I know. Behind uh, Michael Winslow, he's an excellent impersonator. (laughs) I would say, though, honestly, that, like, De Niro and, uh, like, Pacino and Jack Nicholson, they're all amazing actors, but in terms of just sheer fucking talent, like, Meryl Streep, she's the Michael Jordan of acting. I think beyond, like, in the... when they talk about actors of like you know her generation, she is so far ahead of anyone else, just because she can do anything. Like she's so fucking good, and she's funny too. Have you seen her interviewed? I think. Look, I'm a big fan of hers, but you don't like her films. I don't. Well, I don't like all her films, and because they're mostly star vehicles. You're right. Like it's all mostly about her. Sometimes the only thing I would say about Meryl Streep, I agree with you, is that she is a wonderful actress. Like, and I've seen her do amazing things. Mm. Some and she can do comedy. She did this thing with Lily Tomlin, at, I think it was at the Oscars one year. But it was genuinely like one of the best timed comedy sketches you've ever seen in your Amazing. life. You're like your comedy timing is much better than mine could ever be, you know. And but sometimes with Meryl Streep, there used to be this ad on late night TV, and it was for some acting school, and basically there was this scene. I think it was maybe a robbery or something like that. I was like, help me, help me, he's attacking me. And then the attacker would turn around to the camera and he'd go, hi, we're acting. And it was Is for this some... true or did you dream this? No, no, this was like in Victoria. <laughs> I can't no, believe you've never seen never this. Never seen this. It was ad. for some acting school. I don't... In, and so right, I was in like, Hayfield? Was no, it, no. Was, it was your on... dad the cameraman? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I've never seen this ad and I would have thought that like every... like if Google that... right now, hi, we're acting. Uh, can't find it. Can't find it. Doesn't oh. exist. If anyone, that. no, if anyone remembers, hit us up on the uh, Tofop Facebook page and tell us about it. It used to be this ad anyway for 
and it was late night acting school. And he turned to the camera and he went, hi, we're acting. And then he'd go into this spiel about this acting school. That It sounds like something like you would see on uh, like The Office or something, like if Dwight went out to make like an acting school DVD. Like, is it that bad? Yeah. Like it I was famously bad. I have to see this. Uh, if, please, if anyone, cause some people still have VHS tapes, if anyone has this on tape or DVD, we'll post a handsome reward yep. if you can put this on our Facebook page. Uh, knowing the demographic of this podcast, Charlie, as we do, uh, chances are someone who listens to this podcast was in that ad. Because that's our, well, because that's our key demo. No one of import listens to this podcast for this just weird random people. Oh my God, it would be so good if they were like like our biggest fans. Yeah. (laughs) The people from that ad. And they just, they were listening to it in their headphones and they're like, hi, I'm working (laughs) at McDonald's. So how does that relate to... So sometimes with Meryl Streep... You see her acting. I feel like she turns to the camera after a big scene and goes, hi, I'm acting. I see, I don't see that at all. I see that with like other actors, but her, I, I totally buy. Like Kate Blanchett does the same thing where I totally buy whatever she's selling. Like, have you seen uh, Pushing Tin? Yeah. Where she plays like a really kind of, you know, vapid, you know, she's got fake nails on and big hair and stuff and totally forgot she was an Australian. I've never, I, I, I thought until recently I'd never seen anything that Kate Blanchett was in that I didn't think she was good in. But I saw uh, Robin Hood. Oh, she in that? The Russell Crowe one. She plays Maid Marian. Is there a scene Russell Crowe eats her? <laughs> it looks quite fat. In that I think film. I don't. I, I think they're both good actors, and I didn't think either of them were particularly good in that film. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, so uh, the final fuck Glenn Close must hate Meryl Streep. Do you know like it's very similar? Glenn yeah. Close has always been like it's the like poor man's Meryl Streep. Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. Yeah, like Larry Bird would have been the greatest. Yeah. If the fucking greatest wasn't didn't happen to be around then. And Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. Like, Glenn Close is awesome, but she's always kind of been... What's your, your favourite Glenn Close film? Single White Female? <laughs> no, what's that. it called? Uh, Fatal Attraction. No, I'm thinking yeah, about getting yeah. my psycho movies mixed up. <laughs> You're just being cliche. Is that, I can't think of one Glenn Close film that... Oh, Dangerous Liaisons. Like yeah. that film. No, but I think she's good. Like, I, know, I, I, you I know don't what, dislike her. You but... know what I'm a big fan of her from? Damages. I haven't seen it. Mate, that is a fucking awesome TV show, Damages. Like, it's, it's really, really quality, and she's fucking amazing in it. Like, really, really amazing. How much does it cost? Can you download it on, on Apple TV? Yeah. What's the damage? <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo! Boo! <laughs> okay, um, I like that one. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> but she would be pissed off that, like, She's, in the she's up against Street. Meryl Streep, you know? I think like, Meryl Streep's my lock for that. Okay, um, well, Michelle Williams, is she smoking? Oh, actually, shit, no, Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams. Williams. Oh, so what's uh, so what's uh, Meryl Streep, what's your leap hatch for Meryl Streep, uh, the Iron Lady? Um, uh, so you're going to say she's a lock, so... Uh, watch this for an Oscar-winning Streep. Mm. No, too, no, too complicated. Um, uh, we'll go to yours, I'll come back to me. Uh, okay, I'm going to call it... Uh, Meryl Streep, the Iron Malady, Malady. Because oh, you didn't like it. No, I didn't okay. like it. All right, so uh, uh, so it's an Iron. Sorry, I was doing a Meryl Streep pun. On an iron well, it can be either Iron okay. Lady or Meryl Streep. Uh, and I liked it. So, yeah. um, um, keep your eye on this for Oscar gold. If I was going to do a positive one, mine would have been Iron Lady Takes Golden Man. Yeah, nice. 
Uh, okay, so Michelle Williams, my make my week with Meryl. I completely forgot about her. I think she, she's going to win. I think it'll be between her and uh, Meryl. She's good, Michelle Williams, isn't she? Surprisingly good. Yeah. From like, Wilson's Creek to now. And, like, she's one of those people that I think you underrate. She's one of those people like... Um, well, like Brad Pitt, the whole Brad Pitt California thing. Like, you see her and you're like, oh, Dawson's Creek, and then you saw her in fucking Blue Valentine. You're yeah. like, oh, my God, what happened? You're really good. Yeah, she's amazing, though. Like, But I think she's got that oh, sort of... back was the one that kind of really announced her as, like, serious actor. I just think she's got that sort of thing where she... She's unexpected. You know who I find like that? Laura Linney. Like, oh, Laura Linney... She's awesome. I think is awesome, but... No one ever says, hey, like, let's get that this Laura film's Linney on, movie. let's get Laura Linney in it. Yeah. But anytime I see something and Laura Linney's in it, I love it, right? Yeah. I'm a bit like that with Michelle Williams. I wouldn't necessarily go and see something because Michelle Williams is in it, no, but sure. I've quite often seen things that I was going for some other reason that Michelle Williams was in and went, she's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't rush out to see anything she's in. No. No. But if you went and saw something she's in, quite often you walk yeah, away going, surprised. Michelle Williams is good. Yeah. Right. Is there anyone else in the Best Actress? No, that's it. Okay, cool. So, yeah, we're saying uh, Michelle Williams in a Meryl Street. heated battle with uh, Meryl Streep. I'll tell you who could do a fucking good Michelle Williams. Meryl Streep. <laughs> Meryl Streep playing Michelle Williams. That's what I'd like to say. Meryl Streep playing Michelle Williams playing Marilyn. Wow. That's the fucking movie right that's there. That's a to of uh, acting performances. <laughs> best Actor. No Ryan Gosling. No Gosling. The Goz. No, and no Joshua Jackson. Left out in the cold. That was an interesting debate on our Facebook page this week. About who's hotter. On the hottest thing. I was surprised. Somebody said, hey, you- can you get Joshua Jackson in here? And I was like, Joshua Jackson? Mm. Pacey from Dawson's Creek? Yeah, because the question you asked is who's hotter, Ryan Gosling yeah. or Fassbender? Yeah. Oh, no, Gosling and... We're talking Fassbender, Gosling, I think Colin Firth. It came oh, up. Oh, that's in, right. Yeah. So we're talking about hot guys. Yeah. And guys that, you know, <laughs> girls thought they were hot. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about hot guys. Welcome back to Tofop. We were talking about hot guys. But no I wonder our girlfriend's going to wait to leave. It's like these two are about to suck each other's dicks. But I um, I, didn't, I never thought about including Joshua Jackson. So when I put that yeah, poll out I on mean, the Facebook like, page, way, I, mean, I was surprised that he got so much traction. Like he, he was still beaten resoundingly by Gosling, yeah. but there was a lot of fucking... He was a war horse. He was a big-hearted trier. Exactly. He was out, like, you know, he dished out about 25 possessions. They weren't flashy. But he got a lot. What is it about Joshua Jackson? He's gettable. Uh, I think he's a good actor. I think Joshua Jackson, I would lump in with the guy from the AC, Adam Brody. Oh, yeah. People dig Adam Brody. Yeah. Like girls, like girls who are kind of cool find him hot because he's got a bit of that hipster kind of charm. Yeah. Like he's a nerdy hot. Like Amy pointed out David Duchovny. He was another one of those guys. He was not traditionally handsome, but yep. just kind of attracts that kind of girl. All right. Uh, Demian Bashir, A Better Life. I haven't seen it. Don't even know who he is. No. Boo. Boo. Boo for a worse life. Yeah. Thumbs down. A better life would be fucking blowing your brains out than seeing <laughs> this film. George Clooney, The Descendants. Uh, I think he could win. He's like, I mean, he won the Golden Globe, didn't he? So he... Yeah. It's just, I was not impressed at all. I don't think it was an Oscar winning performance. Justin Hamilton, if you're listening to this, what's a worse performance, this or Batman and Robin? Uh, or Spy Kids 2? Jean Dujardin. He's the French guy from uh, The Artist. Yep, Jean Valjean. Uh, <laughs> Jean Valjean. Um, he could win as well. Yep. He could be the Roberto Benigni of 2012. Definitely. Would he make a speech or he just... I love you. I want to drive in. Oh, he just mime it. Yeah, mime it. Just starts... Well, if Benigni got up and said, they I, play... I love you. I want to dive into you. Like, you just see him sit there and just like masturbate. And, like, <laughs> what's his name? What, Frenchie? What's uh, his name? It's either Jean Dujardin or Jean Jean Dujardin. Dujardin. 
So Jean Dujardin wins and he gets up and he they give him the Oscar and he puts his hand over his mouth like, you know, he's emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And then he turns to the audience and then he just like unzips his like imaginary fly, pulls out his imaginary cock and starts wanking and pretends to come over the audience. He's trying to express how much he loves them. Shouldn't he do something with the Oscar? It feels weird to me that he's doing something sexual and he's got an Oscar in one hand and he's not using so the Oscar. So he's sticking the something. Oscar up his ass. Yeah. I feel that that... Otherwise, it, people are like, what? What's he doing with the Oscar? It seems weird that he's not using the Oscar. Jean Valjean, if you're listening, because yeah. I'm sure you're a big Tofop fan, if you win the Oscar, can you please do that? Once, I'm wanking over the front row while sticking the Oscar in Uranus. Once you finished uh, winning the revolution in Les Miserables... <laughs> He went on to your silent film career. Uh, Gary Oldman. Could be uh, a sentimental vote. But Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Yeah, he's, that's a classic example of someone who's done better work. He's the Lee Matthews of the acting world. Yeah, he's good, that old man. One of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah, he's great. He's never won the best. And it, you know what? There was a period of time, because he was an awesome actor, and there was a period of time he wasn't getting good roles, and you were thinking, you know how Malkovich, and I like John Malkovich, but Malkovich, sometimes you see him in things, and you're like, he's a parody of, yeah. John Malkovich or Christopher Walken is a good example of that sometimes you say Christopher why Walken why do you think he's a parody I mean wow <laughs> and and you just think you guys are better than what you're getting offered yeah and I've loved recently that Gary Oldman seems to be yeah back yeah he's back you know uh, there's a great story in uh, Slash's autobiography I don't even know this about Gary Oldman but he tells this story because Slash was a massive heroin fiend yeah and he tells this story about like um, basically being woken out of some drug-fueled coma to film this music video. And he'd been hanging out with Gary Oldman at the time, who was also way into his drugs. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't Back when he was Gary Youngman. <laughs> <laughs> but Slash tells this story about, I don't know what music video it was, but he basically had to be like shirtless and leather pants, like playing his electric guitar. So everyone? Electric guitar. Every music video they ever did. <laughs> playing his electric guitar on a boat that's going across a river. And Gary Oldman turned up with him and the director's like, oh, cool, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman. you in. Yeah. So dressed him like a demon and had him like rowing Slash across the river. And he said, uh, after we wrapped that shoot, Gary went into rehab. <laughs> I just love, like, if I was going to go on a massive fucking bender and I, you know, if I knew that I was, like, if I got so fucking high, I'm like, I have to fucking quit tomorrow. I want to go out, row and slash across the river while I'm dressed like a demon. G'day, man, name's Gary. Uh, I'm a drug addict. I guess my lowest was when I realised I was in a Guns N' Roses film <laughs> dressed as the devil, rowing my boat across some water. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Uh, so Gary Oldman no won't, uh, won't, for, won't win uh, no they'll, they'll save it for next year when he wins best supporting actor for his role as Commissioner Gordon in uh, The Dark Knight Rises the negative review is Tinker Taylor Soldier Yawn oh okay uh, positive one I'm going to say Tinker Taylor Soldier Oscar yeah okay nice. simple uh, and uh, or I would say every old man is new again Nice. You can't teach an old man new tricks. Yeah. <laughs> That's the negative review. Uh, all right. And Brad Pitt, Moneyball. Um, uh, could win, I think. I think him, Frenchie, and uh, who's the other? And Clooney. Clooney. I think he. I think. Look, I'd be surprised if he did. He's too young. He hasn't got enough sentimental sentimental vote built up yet. It's good enough that he's been nominated. You know, he should be happy with that. It's, it's what they say to DiCaprio. Hey, look, you are a great actor and you'll win one eventually. Just be happy with the nomination. It's very representative of the film Moneyball itself. It's a new system. It's about not the big stars. It's about just getting guys to do the best performance that they have. Yeah. And you may not win, but you'll do well of what you have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Clooney will win, but it, 
I think, and I love, you know, we've obviously spoken about this just very recently on the podcast. I'm a fan of George Clooney, but this was not. No. Yeah. Not his, like, no. Not this even was a, not his, this not was not a, his Oscar is, moment. This is not even a Doug Ross. No. All right. Should we do the supportings? Yeah. Do we have time for that? Yeah, we'll go course. through the supportings. So not, we're fucking tipping into two and a half hours. Let's go all the way. <laughs> Uh, when okay. we give you a bonus yeah. when Tofop says there's a fine line between a bonus and oh my god I never want to listen to this again you know what we are we're the dude who will like, uh, like this is essentially that Blu-ray with the one hour film and then seven <laughs> hours of extras that's what we are that's what we are this is the 19 hour version of Donnie Darko best supporting actress uh, Berenice Bejo, the artist won't win uh, you don't think they might pick up a best supporting no okay Jessica Chastain, Ch- Chastain, the, the help, tree of, oh. the help. No, no, right. maybe I don't know. Viola oh. Davis is she in this list? No, Viola was uh, oh, best actress. Viola was best actress. Okay, you didn't even give her a sniff. <laughs> the only chance that she has of winning is if if Meryl Streep plays Viola Davis <laughs> in the help. Uh, no, a I white don't... guy playing a black woman. <laughs> Jessica Chastain, maybe. I'm gonna say maybe. I don't know how well the help was received, so... Okay. Melissa McCarthy, Bridesmaids? Definitely won't. Comedies don't win. Oh, you know what? They do. Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Wanda was a big surprise. I reckon that's a smoky. Whoopi Goldberg in... Yeah, definitely I reckon a she's a smoky. She was fantastic in that film. I haven't seen it. It didn't get, <laughs> it didn't get nominated for Best Film. It's patchy film. Yeah. I think the funny bits are really funny, but I think there's a lot of it that isn't funny. I think Kristen Wiig is fantastic. Yeah, she's amazing. And I think that uh, this this woman, uh, Melissa McCarthy, is just like... You know when you see a film and you've never seen is someone before? Is she the before? short, dumpy one? Yeah. yeah. And you just go... It's like she's in a different film. But in a good way. That's a good thing, yeah. Like, you know, it's literally like you're just like... Every time she's on screen, it's just her own pace, her own way of doing it. I reckon that could be a real sort of smoky. I okay. mean, it's probably yeah, smoky... You know it's probably smoky she got nominated in the first place, but she could be the Stephen Bradbury of the Best Supporting Actress. But they category. often do give supporting actress to like Marissa Tomei, yeah. uh, Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. Kevin Klein, like it's off uh, a Cuba Gooding Jr. They often give it to someone from the yeah. most. It's a you know what it is. It's a way the of comedians. Saying, they go here, you go clown. No, no. <laughs> have an award, no. not one of the proper ones, unless you're willing to be serious like Tom Hanks. What they're saying is we're not going to give the entertaining film like uh, Heath Ledger yeah. and Dark Knight. Dark Knight was an excellent film. Yeah. But they gave Heath Ledger because it's like, well, look, we're going to acknowledge it was a good film, but we're not going to give it one of the serious ones because yep. it's about a comic book. Yeah. So she could win. All right. Uh, Janet McTeer, Albert Nobbs. Should we give a, a, a like a oh. bag review for Bridesmaids? Yeah, sorry. We, well, should we give one for... Well, we should um, give them one for... We haven't given one for anyone in this uh, category. No, uh, no, no, but we've done for the films. Oh, that's true. So Melissa McCarthy, Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Um, uh, if you didn't win... Uh, if you didn't like the film, you'd say brides la- bridesmaids uh, get left at the altar. Bridesmaids huh. will make you feel left at the altar. Um, always a bridesmaid, this time a bride. Beautiful. Uh, and so Janet McTeer, Albert Nobbs. <laughs> no. no. Uh, Octavia Spencer, The Help. Yeah, could win. <laughs> so based on a film you haven't seen, you've... You've decided that Octavia Spencer was better in it than Jessica Chastain was. Yeah. <laughs> that is an excellent review. <laughs> the fact that you're just like... I've not seen either performance. <laughs> They're in the same movie. I like that man better. <laughs> but she was he's better than the other one. Octavia sounds more like a superhero. Okay. Uh, let's go to Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh? My Week with Marilyn? Smokey. Could be. 
People love Kenneth Branagh. Sen- sentimental, yeah. Plus, he directed Thor. He's got like a lot of sort of, you know. I think it's more he was like a wonderkind yeah. who sort of faded for a bit, and now he's back. Yeah. And they love a comeback story. Jonah Hill, Moneyball. No, oh, no. What's your sorry? What's why? your what's your lead patch for Kenneth Branagh? My week with Marilyn. Um, and do I like it or not like it? No, whatever you want. Um, I like it. Marilyn is a girl's best friend. Okay. This film is a girl's best friend. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if guys are in the audience, you're gonna hate it. <laughs> And I didn't like it, so mine is Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, nice. I can't wait for this film to commit suicide, <laughs> like Marilyn. It's like Lee Patch's little brother's reviews for a week. <laughs> Justin Patch. This is a comma after every conclusive statement. I wish this film would kill itself, comma. Like Marilyn, comma. Because she did film. that, comma. <laughs> With drugs, comma. Jonah Hill, Moneyball. No way. Never. Joke nomination. It's a final fat Jonah. <laughs> you need to commemorate like, the ending of Fat Jonah yeah. era. We'll give you a trophy because you lost weight. It's Hollywood. Where the fuck were you when he was when Jonah Hill was fat? That's yeah. what kids will ask themselves. Exactly. I loved him when he was fat, man. <laughs> fat uh, man. I think there's a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna skip over one because I think there's a clear winner in this category. Okay. Uh, Nick- uh, let me guess who that is. Okay. What's the film? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get to the end. We'll skip uh, over it and we'll get to the uh, end, okay. and you can guess. Uh, Nick Nolte in Warrior. No. He was good in Warrior. I haven't seen it. Great film. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen any of these films. I am very surprised that Tom Hardy didn't get a nomination for... Over Joel? I think he could have got Best Supporting. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. What about Joel? I thought Tom Hardy was... Like, I thought they were both great, but Tom Hardy was fantastic in that film. Um, Nick Nolte was also excellent, but... Uh, I don't think so. uh, Max von Sydow. Smokey. Oh, you know who's going to win? Extremely loud and incredibly Christopher close. Plummer. Is he nominated? The winner will be Christopher Plummer for Beginners. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, that's the film I've seen. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's awesome in that film. And uh, it's sentimental favourite too. Uh, so Christopher Plummer... So we haven't done... Uh, we'll have to go through. We did uh, Branner. Yeah. Uh, let's do Jonah Hill for Moneyball. What's your Lee Patch on Jonah oh, Hill's oh, chances? Um, not a chance in Hill. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um. Uh, oh, and I, I, I'm going to like it, right? Yeah. Uh, Jonah will take Oscar home. No, that's not good. King of the Hill. King of the Hill. Yeah. Oh, that's good. King yeah. of the Hill. That's King perfect. Hill. Yeah. All right. Um. So Nick Nolte for Warrior. Uh, Nolte chance in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say in the nick of time. Uh. Max von Sydow for extremely yeah, bad. Yeah, I think his, his, his uh, plumber's biggest competition for almost identical reasons, like legend, been around for ages, the film's kind of been well... Oh, no, it has been badly received. Yeah. So yeah. what do you reckon? Um, uh, you're going to say yes. Are you going to do the positive or the negative? I'll do the negative. Okay. Um, Max von Schuthaus. <laughs> I don't think we should do a positive one on that. I think that's perfect. And Christopher Plummer for beginners, I'm just going to say be winners. Um, if there's grass, he's plum. <laughs> I feel like we need should we, we should stop talking. Okay. Are we done? Yeah, this is done. it. Um, you can hit us you up on... No one can complain about quantity bonus <laughs> i tell you about, something about TOEFOP. Can't complain about quantity. Uh so um, you can hit us up on the Facebook page, of course. Um, 
Tofop page there. Uh, we're on Twitter Tweet as well, Tweetfop. Um, and uh, just give us all your feedback and, and you know, keep uh, when you uh, if you listen to the show on iTunes. I know some people don't listen on iTunes, and then they get really mad at me yeah. when I don't post the iTunes thing. It's literally sometimes when I don't post the non-iTunes link. It's like I've accidentally linked to some KKK site. Yeah. People get so angry at me. I know. The amazing thing is, too, a lot of these people who complain have been downloading the episode up until now, and it's like they think all of a sudden we have changed the format where yeah. we're only idle- uploading like iTunes or you know the blog site. It's like it's exactly the same as it's always been. We're happy to give it to you in whatever way you want it. <laughs> We, we're just doing the best we can. Yeah. Sometimes people get so angry that, oh, I've got to give Steve Jobs my credit card. No, I don't think you do. No. It's free. Here's a tip. Google Tofop. <laughs> I guarantee the first two search pages, well, yeah. after the kind of like, you know, allegations. <laughs> Tofop in the news. The court case. <laughs> the court case with Russell Crowe. After that, there is definitely like links to the iTunes page and the blog page if you don't do iTunes. Yep. So you can. But you, please don't remind us that you don't do iTunes. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Just fine. download it and enjoy it. Yeah. That's we all don't we're care. Saying. We don't care how you're listening to it. Yeah. You can be outside the window listening to us right now if you like, as long as you don't come in afterwards. Yeah. I actually looked at the window. You <laughs> said just in case <laughs> <laughs> that one person who's been there for every record going, he finally mentioned me. <laughs> Uh, the uh, so uh, you can hit us up uh, on all those things uh, that would be fantastic and give us uh, sort of you know feedback on the show. If you're if you're on Twitter too and uh, you like something we said, you can hashtag it with Tofop quotes. Yep. If we've come up with a fact that is erroneous, which, which there was is, a couple in this episode, I think uh, hashtag that with Tofop facts. facts. Um, and Will's on tour. Yes, uh, willanderson.com.au. Uh, I'm uh, soon going to be in Adelaide, and then I've got Brisbane Comedy Festival and Melbourne Comedy Festival, and they're my only dates in uh, all of those towns this year. So if you want to come along and see the show, uh, willanderson.com.au. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And the Oscar goes to Max von Schitthaus. <laughs>